Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I wrap up our October round of podcasts with a two-and-a-half-hour mega-chat with spoiler-free conversations about the finale of Three Jokers and the upcoming death metal New God, the new Werewolf by Night, Dracula, motherfucker, Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Man's Apocalypse Now, the comics of Dan Slott, Icon, Irredeemable, and Invincible, how superhero comics change to handle change, the upcoming DC event Future Tense, other comics news, and much, much more. As always, we welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, hello. Hello, Jeff and whatnots. Uh, I would like to point out, this is the last Wait Whats before the election, mm. and in honor of this, I'm going to give you a two-minute opening statement where I will be muted. Oh, sounds exciting. Uh, so, uh, go ahead, you have, you have two minutes starting uh, from now. Wait, are we both supposed to be muted or I'm, I'm allowed to talk? I don't I was muted. You were talking. I wasn't talking, though. I, I mean, I was. I, I, was this a moment favorite, of... Um... My favorite part of that was I thought that you were literally going to be silent for like a minute and a half. And then I'd come on being like, Jeff, have you muted yourself? And then you'd be like, you were supposed to be muted! I, it but was no. tempting. I was also like, ooh, if I ask him a question and he answers within that full span... Graham, maybe I'm just out of touch with national events because this does not involve Rudolph giuliani trying to sleep with a 15 year old but what who what are we talking okay. about here i i'm i'm referring to the uh the debate where they they had two minute statements and they 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 were muted they each oh of them were... i did not realize i did not realize because i stayed away after the soul destroying garbage fire that is well been... I, the, the new one wasn't the new one uh, the second one what wasn't as bad uh-huh but uh yeah it was. It, I w- would be lying if I said it was. It was very uh, enlightening. Either uh, this is also, I should point out, the uh, the last podcast before Jeff Lester's birthday. Oh yeah, uh, which is which is uh, coming up on All Hallows Eve. And more importantly, Jeff, it's the last wait what before the release of Three Jokers issue three, Ooh, which I've I read. Know. Oh, oh, you. Of course you I, have, you I, bastard. But I've got to tell you, Jeff, I am so sad. That we are not doing a podcast next week. Oh no! So sad. I am genuine. This is how sad I was when I read it. I actually thought, when it comes out, do we want to do a special Patreon only? Oh my (laughs) god! Really? Because Jeff, you've talked before about your your uh, shall we say enjoyment of this series, and I'm not being entirely facetious there. Like I think I'm not sure if it is enjoyment. But I know you're you're getting something out of it. First first issue, a lot. Second issue, uh, I would have to reread it, but I felt a little so. But yeah, my point of view, and maybe I'm wrong. 
you you're going into this or your the enjoyment you're getting is based on the expectation that there's going to be a specific payoff to this not just a payoff but a specific payoff that that there's a, a an expectation that something's going to happen mm. and jeff i don't want to i really do want to file it for you actually but um <laughs> but i don't i will say this uh-huh i finished it and my first thought was, well, he's doubling down on the disappointment of Doomsday Clock. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, he, does, he does something so specific. He actually does two things. Very specific. But but there's one in particular. And let me just say, when everyone listening to this reads the comics, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That is breathtaking. <laughs> Wow. Actually breathtaking and not in a good way. <laughs> like, it's it's so much that I kind of just want to tell you, but it would be spoiling comics that isn't even out yet. Right. Do you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. One thing to be like, Jeff, you didn't read this comic from 20 years ago. Let me tell you. Blah, blah, blah. Happened. Sure. Yeah, this yeah. comic isn't even out until Tuesday. But Jeff. But <laughs> Jeff. Oh. I... I I'll be honest, the only reason I read it earlier was because I know that you have, like, you've mentioned things that you want to see in this comic, things that you hope it's building towards. Right. And I was like, let's see if Jeff's right. And, I, and I'm not going to say if you're right or not, importantly. <laughs> well, of course, yes. Because um, that but, sort of gives a lot of the game away, in a way. But there's something in there, Jeff. <laughs> there's two things in there. Like, one of them is... Like, it's shockingly boring, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is... And it's shockingly boring in that very doomsday clock way mm. where Johns clearly thinks he's saying something, you know, incredibly profound. Ooh, yeah. and, and just is not. Uh, right? uh. Um, but the other one is... <laughs> the other one is the one that's breathtaking. Really? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I, I'm, uh, I'm just, I can't wait to see the internet reaction to it. Now, and, uh, just out of curiosity, and hopefully I can ask this without giving things away, you uh, have a network of uh, people who are equally connected. Have you have you discussed it with anyone else who's read it? No, I, I read it last night. Oh, um, okay. So, so <laughs> to explain who I think know this, but maybe they don't. DC sends out PDFs uh, of the following week's releases on Friday nights. Oh. Um, and and so I read this last night. And I, uh, I read this, and I read another comic that comes out next week, which uh, I don't know if it's fair to say upset me as much. Because I, I, actually, that's not fair. Three Jokers doesn't upset me as much as I'm just like, oh, that's a choice. Mm-hmm. That's a very specific choice that I 100% don't agree in, mm-hmm. agree with. Um, think is is not even a bad choice as much as like something that is so shockingly unnecessary mm. that it's it it's it's almost I can't, see. I can't even put it in context without spoiling it. Yeah, I, I, I uh, okay. To to be really teasy and again. You know, like this is a comic that's not coming out. Um, for people who thought that 
Johns was lifting a lot from the killing joke. Uh-huh. You have no fucking idea. Oh dear. Okay. Okay. Um and not and and me saying that will still not no one will guess. Mm. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. No one will guess. <laughs> because it it comes so hard out of nowhere. Mm. But also so hard out of John's clearly thinking about the killing joke too much. Mm. That you're just like what the living fuck? <laughs> uh, no, really. Wow. Uh, so, but so that didn't really upset me as much as just like that's, like that's that's crazy. That's so out of nowhere. The other one um, is is the the death metal one shot for next week. Mm. It's called oh god, I think it's called Birth of the New God or Rise of a New God or something. Let me look and see what it's, it's probably oh called. Um, it is called Rise of the New Gods, Death Metal Rise of the New God. Mm. From that title, New God or New Gods? New God, singular. Okay, singular. Wow. From mm. that title, you might think mm-hmm. that it's a gods reference. Spoilers, mm-hmm. it's not. Mm. Um, for people who are paying attention to death metal, you will know that. And again, I, this is me. This is me spoiling comic bits. Comic came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, the the fourth issue of the series basically ends with now um, the the Batman who laughs has the power of Doctor Manhattan and he's right. now calling himself the Darkest Knight. Yeah. Okay. Rise of the New God really demonstrates how death metal at its heart mm-hmm. is about two characters that Snyder has created that are very boring. <laughs> Oh, so Batman Who Laughs and, and what, the Robin King or something? No. Uh, the Darkest Knight, as he is now, and Perpetua, oh, who is the, the MacGuffin of the Justice League run. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because huh. um, she's been completely, like, she keeps getting mentioned. But yeah. yeah, she's basically mm-hmm. been absent from death metal altogether. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Rise of the New Gods is simultaneously going well the real conflicts between these two characters and it brings in another new character that if anything seems more of a MacGuffin than Perpetua wow and really and it, it, I should say it's not Scott Snyder writing this is a Jim Stinian comic mm-hmm. um, it really underscores how death metal is kind of amazingly inorganic to the DC mythology mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Do you know I mean like it's all about these characters who have just been newly created now, and everything else kind of gets plugged in, right? And there are things in there that, again, I think when it's come out, you and I will end up discussing. Hmm. I assume you read it. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, maybe I won't. Yeah. But well, I, I should say again, it's one of these things where where like uh, what was it, Trinity's End? It, right. it feels like it's a, a, an important chapter, but unlike Trinity's End, it also feels very much like filler. Great, it great. Feels very much feels very much like there is going to be a recap that will cover all of this right. in Death Metal Five. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also, again, uh, to my money, it gives away the end of the comic of the mm. series. Mm. At the same time, and, huh. and I, I'm wrong huh. because if it does, then it's kind of shockingly facile. Hmm. 
So I'm I'm really hoping I'm wrong, but also introducing a particular character who does this particular thing. Mm-hmm. So much like it feels like Chekhov's gone. You know, it feels like it's it's like introducing a character called you know my name is Jim the Fixer and I fix event comics. <laughs> that level of, of you know reveal of character introduction, right? Which you know maybe it is misdirection. Mm-hmm. In which case, good for them. But it's also like oh really oof. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I read two. I read that and then three Jokers uh, issue three mm. back to back class, and I was just like, "Oh, oof! <laughs> what a week DC is going to have!" Yay! Right? Yeah. Oh boy! So I guess that's what's happening. And the funny thing is, there's DC comics out next week that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I read those two because they are quote unquote the big comics of the month sure. of the week. Right. You know, there's also an issue of Suicide Squad. I think Tom Taylor's and um, Bruno Redondo's Suicide Squad has been great. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've really enjoyed that book. Mm. Um, there's a new Hellblazer out. Mm-hmm. There's a Batman Superman, which is just a very fun superhero comic. You know, there, there's there's Legion. There's the the 50th issue of Batgirl. There's stuff in there that I would want to read, like mm-hmm. for for my own enjoyment, for want of a better way of putting it. Yes. Um, but I read these quote unquote big books instead, and both of them just made me go. Poof. Okay. <laughs> right. Those are definitely some choices that people feel the need to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comics, Jeff. Comics. Comics, I tells you. Yeah. For real. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I, you know, I have had sort of a pile of of various comics, a lot of which are n- not new. Like it's been a lot of older type stuff. Um, weirdly enough, the one quote unquote new comic that I read this week. And I, uh, I'm trying to think, of course, last week was a drock and I mean, I'll have to, at some point I will bust out the list and talk about things. But basically the only, the only book that I read that was new is in released hit the stands and was, you know, composed not, you know, decades prior, was the first issue of Werewolf by Night by um, Taboo. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was pretty good. I have no, I have no, well, pretty good is overstating it, I guess. It's, oh, boy. That's not good. Well, I mean, I, you know what it is? It's just, it's a little bit of... No, no, it's not terrible. I think. Um, I'm just trying to think of the All right. The thing is, when you say pretty good is overstating it, I I feel like you're. I feel like you are saying like, well, it's not bad. Yeah, I, I I would say it's the difference between good and pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, for example, the art is by Scott Eaton, and it's inked by Scott Hanna, and. That's definitely a, um, like, solid, yeah. unexpected, but, like, solid. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it is unexciting, but solid. It is a solid issue. The, the spin that they have for the new character, the new Werewolf by Night character, is he is a Native American um, who is living on a reservation and he and his female best friend, they're basically teenagers, are, you know, he, he has his werewolfness is essentially kind of a family curse. And 
they have been working on ways to sort of rehabilitate him, keep him sort of semi under control and sort of maneuvering toward let's put him into situations where, you know, where you can do some good with his powers. He is put into conflict with, uh, you know, basically Marvel's other Native American character, uh, Red Wolf, who is apparently working for the government now to help shut down. Um, he, he's basically kind of a super fed. So the the whole story is about the two of them seeming looking like they're going to run into conflict with one another as they both end up investigating the kind of weird biotech company that the that the protagonist works at so all of which is i mean that seems fine exactly exactly this is this honestly reminded me of nothing so much other than uh, all of Valiant's, you know, quote-unquote recent comics, which is to say it's done with a level of craft. There's intelligence to it. Um, It is kind of unexciting, but in a way that is not unlikable. And if you have any affection for any of the legacy characters that I just mentioned, um, you know, it's enough of a hook where you're like, yeah, it's good, but not great. I would, sure. I enjoyed That's, it. It's I would enough. Read another one. Yeah, it's enough. Exactly. I would enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I will read the next one. It, it is very hard to, uh, to, to actually recommend because it is such a borderline level of, like, hey, you you know what's great? This mayonnaise sandwich, you know, with a glass of lukewarm tap water. You know, like some people are like, yeah, that's kind of my jam, you know. And other people are just going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, there's a lot of other stuff that I read um, that was just arguably better or made much more of an impression on me. There are some books that I read this week that all but left psychic scars. This was not one of them. And it's one of the things that I really appreciate. And yet it was also ironic because it felt like such a weird old school comic book. Um, in a, in a way that, uh, you know, is I, it's it's just ironic that the, the it felt like the oldest comic book I've read in the last couple of weeks, you know. Yeah. So even though it's the one that came out that day, <laughs> you know. I, I'm I'm curious. Are you that much of a werewolf by night fan that you've been looking forward to this book, or is this just a? I was looking for something to read, something unusual, and so I picked this up. Uh, you know that, that that's a good. I question. mean, I, I know you're a fan of Werewolf by Night. I am. I, I, am, I also yeah. wouldn't have been like, well, you know who fucking loves Werewolf by Night? It's Jeff. Yeah. No. 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 Uh, uh, I have a tremendous amount of fondness for the original Werewolf by Night character. Don't feel like they've ever been handled, but sort of correctly, but in sort of the same way that you know, terrible protagonist name aside, like rereading the complete series uh, about, you know, within the last six months or so, I was like, 
man, the, the bones are here for, for a decent TV show, you know, which I also said about Hellstrom and of course will never happen, but like the bones are here. That, that's on Hulu. Have you watched it? No, no, I haven't. Is it all on there? I should, yeah. gosh, maybe I should get a test, uh, uh, um, 30 day trial subscription and burn through it. Um, so, so yeah, Werewolf by Night, the original, I'm like, man, that's got a lot of like, you know, good CW vibes. I appreciated the fact that they went a very different direction with uh, Werewolf by Night. And one of the things that's super smart is they gave special thanks to their, what, what would you call it? Their... It's not sensitivity readers, but essentially the guy, the people, they're, they're consultants. They got special consultants to make sure that everything felt, and it feels, it all, it, it all, it feels pretty legit. It all feels pretty strong in that sense. Um, So originally I was like, I'm not going to pick this up because, because for the most part, the few times that Marvel has rebooted their, um, rebooted their horror titles in particular, I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. Like, there's a whole bunch of Hellstrom issues that dropped on uh, Marvel Unlimited, I think, this week. Or yes, last there week. are. Right. And Kaminsky, eat your heart out. Yeah, and I remember looking at that stuff when it came back, and I was just like, no. So it's originally, I was like, you know what? I probably have too much fondness for this, but kind of because there was nothing else that I was purchasing this week that was new, I was kind of like, you know what? I can, I can probably splurge and get away with this as my, as my new title. I actually say that and I realize that's not true that, um, the other new book that I read was blue flag, which I've talked about before. It's the manga. It's about three issues. This is volume four. And I think it only goes up to volume five. So I think it might be the penultimate volume of a high school love quadrangle, um, where the, the twist, the quote unquote twist is that, two of the characters are in the quadrangle are gay and the other two do not, do not know as far as we can. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I seem to remember you've talked about this before. Yeah. And I love it. It's just great. The visual acting is just dynamic and you know me, like I said, I'm getting in touch with my, my inner comic book romance fanboy. So that was great. Every page of that was just like, Mana from heaven. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was like, it was like slurping down a warm bowl of ramen, and I'm like, I don't know if that seems racist because I was talking about manga, but you know, it was a big. <laughs> oh, Lord. I know, right? It was a big, enjoyable meal as opposed to the slightly warmed over again mayonnaise sandwich that was Werewolf by Night. You know, um, and uh. I like them both, but I like them both differently. Like I said, there was a lot of other stuff that I read that I'm I'm interested in talking about that's very different. Oops, excuse me. Different from oh, I, I, both okay. of those Like what? Like, uh, like, like let's let's go in there, Jeff. Things I can't talk about, things I really want to talk about. Yes. Jeff, I still want to talk to you about Three Jokers. I know. I, just promise me that you will write to me when you've read it. Absolutely. That's all I need. I will. I will. I will. Because I'm very, I'm really like, oh shit, I can't believe you've read it and so I read Dracula Motherfucker, which uh, is uh, Alex DeCampi and Eric uh, Henderson's 
Uh, I am OGN. so looking forward to it. It's on my to-do list. It is, and it's on Hoopla in case you didn't get copies other way. So I read it on Hoopla this week. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. Um, I I enjoyed it. It was a little too. It went very quickly, which was fine. Um, people who uh, might be familiar with the uh, book Erotic Vampire uh, Bank Heist that um, I, I published a few years back. Uh, that was was read by a very, finished by few people and appreciated by even fewer. But those who did might actually be very amused how much of that, how much of Dracula motherfucker is on the weird, on the same weird way. Oh my God. Now I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So. For um, real? Yeah, yeah. Oh, seriously. I was like, huh, I kind of, there's this and Oh my this god, would it be great if Alex DeCampi picked up Erotic Vampire Bank Heist? Yeah, it would be great. It's also very much not the case. It's, it, I, because you, you can kind of tell. But it, there's a lot of, um, there's, there's also a certain amount of, uh, uh, an LA mile in there for those who have read my other book, um, such as Graham. Uh, it, it's. I was gonna say, did you ever publish that? No, 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 no. It's still sitting in a drawer, trying to figure out what the fuck to do with it. So, so it was kind of great. It was sort of like, oh, here's someone. It's the same sort of like, here's someone who's kind of been watching the same things, has the same interests in it, and is doing um different things with it. In some ways, kind of similar. I was like, oh, that beats there, but different. That beats there, but different. The 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 loosest comparison I can think to it is um, back uh, in my my mid twenties. I was such a huge fan of John Woo's The Killer that um, I wrote my own killer esque screenplay, but also with supernatural stuff in it. Um, and it came. It was again. My friends read it and the the ran the options between. Oh, that's really good to. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the first 15 pages, but then I um, had a stroke and now I can't read. So I'm just going to give it back to you, but, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but all of which is to say, when I saw The Matrix, I was like, oh, yeah, this beat and that beat and this beat and that beat are all the same. They're They're nothing, how do I put it? They're nothing alike, but they're from the same... Like I've been sitting there digging on the same vibe. Like yeah, you, you, yeah, you've you've all been thinking the same thoughts or watching the same stuff. Exactly, exactly. So when I publish a novel that is set in 1974 about Dracula and one of his brides, um, and Alex DeCampi and Eric and Henderson do a book that's set in Los Angeles in 1974 about Dracula and several of his brides, um, you know, and then there's other beats in there. It's kind of like, Oh yeah. You know, it's you, I'm just aware that it's much more likely than both of us watched either count Yorga vampire or scream blackula scream at the right moment and the right time and went, Oh yeah, this goes with this really nicely. Now, that is, I apologize, super self-indulgent because the listeners of this podcast are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Haven't read the book or I tried and it was terrible. Well, Dracula... well first of all, 
everyone who hasn't read Erotic Vampire Bank Heist. But that includes you, Graham. You couldn't. You couldn't. And I don't. I don't mean oh, to no, call no, you out. But... No, I, I went back, and I've got to tell you. Do you know who loves it? No. Who do you think loves it? Don't tell me that Chloe's read it. Has Chloe read it? Mm-hmm. No. She yeah, she loves it. Like that's. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being coy. Like she legitimately loves that book. What are you talking about? When were you going to tell me this? I, I can't believe you dropped this bomb in the middle of our. <laughs> fucking podcast phone conversation are you serious yeah oh my god oh my god okay we'll have to talk about this later <laughs> good lord okay uh, but yes so so haha i did i actually went back and, and read it yeah did you really you mm-hmm. son of a bitch and mm-hmm. just out of curiosity now that you've read it and my ass is sitting down what did you think <laughs> Uh, I still think I, it's, there's there's things in there that I'm not sure I'm comfortable knowing. Yes, I get that. That makes I, sense. I, I gotta admit, I dug it. Wow, I'm really glad, Graham. Wow, happy son of a bitch. Okay, well, my ass is in my chair. I am quite moved and anyway, amused by I, both of you. What I was going to say is, people, for if you haven't read a vampire bank heist, or for that matter, you don't know what it is. Um, it is still available on Amazon, right? It is. It is. It almost is. It is so ignored. You you literally have to type out the full title, but it will yes. come up. Yeah. But but if you go onto Amazon and you search for the full title, which once again is erotic vampire bank ice, <laughs> um, I I there's there's I, I strongly suspect that there is genuinely a significant market for that book for people who have been with us for a long time mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, in all seriousness there, there are a number of people who picked it up and were like ah and then crickets and that's fine and there's a few people that actually read it and were like hey you know what there was some pretty out there shit in there and i'm like thank you <laughs> yeah there is yeah <laughs> anyway having read it you can check out dracula motherfucker and just think if i'm totally baseless or see it if nothing what? else that, that's why i'm so, that's yeah. why i'm super curious about reading it now. Yeah. like don't get me wrong i want to read it before it's alex's erica like yeah. if nothing else it will look beautiful but you know the the concept that as i knew about it mm-hmm. sounded fun but yeah. you comparing it to erotic vampire bank heist gets me super curious now <laughs> well so separate and apart for it i i have to say the book is fucking gorgeous like erica henderson tears the shit out of that yeah but i mean like it's it's stunning how beautiful it is and it's very interesting because it in the afterwards they both have very brief afterwards but i really have to give them both just a ton of credit in part because there were there's some stylistic choices that I was like, wow, that is so awesome that Eric Henderson like read this material and decided to go this way with it. And then reading Alex DeCampi's little notes and I'm like, oh no, Alex DeCampi really had like, she's, she's on it. She knew what she wanted. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So it is, it is a collaboration in the truest sense in which it's very hard for me to be like, oh yeah, you got to give it up to one over the other um it's very organic that, and it's gorgeous yeah that feels very much like something that alex de campi does though mm-hmm. like i feel like when you're reading an alex de campi book 
it's very difficult to say, well, the artist made a smart choice here because very often Alex has been very specific. Yeah, yeah, that, I like believe that. Directions. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the thing is is I've liked DeCampi's work more in the abstract than the actual uh, liking of it. Like I've admired it. I guess. Sure, sure, I get that. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, think I think it is an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. And I think both for me, both Dracula, Motherfucker, and uh, Bad Karma that is being done uh, over at Panel Syndicate with her, and I've got to find the artist because he it is phenomenal. Uh, bad, give me one second. Of course, I can't type. Uh, bad uh, I'm looking up right now. It's uh, Ryan Howe and Dee Cunniff. Yeah, they're fabulous. Just really good. And there's uh, the latest I- issue, which is issue three, had an action sequence in it that is just kind of like a really impressively, perfectly, um, perfectly paced comic book uh, action sequence in the sense of, um, you know, those those like kind of um conflicts that are sort of race against time sort of things you know like so and so's got to get to the door and then they drop the keys and the things gaining on them kind of thing yeah 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 um just perfectly done and executed in a comic book style where the the panel beats themselves everything is designed to just heighten the the tension and bring you into that moment um, and it's really fabulously done. Dracula Motherfucker also similarly just has stuff where it is, um, it's just, it has some incredibly great moments and, and in ways that I think I dig more like Bad Karma is, uh, is a really slow burn. And I think Dracula, Dracula Motherfucker helps a lot from being, um, a done-in-one. Yeah, like a done-in-one. There's not a lot of time. Get in, get out. Like, it's the, it's the sort of, if it was a movie, it would be a movie that clocked in at 90 minutes or 93 minutes, you know, not not a two-hour and ten-minute, you know. But it's just, everything it does is perfect. The other thing that I read this week that was great in a non-scarring way uh, Peter Park, Peter Porker, the spectacular spider hand, the five issues of that, uh, Marvel Unlimited's getting to the point where they've got shit, uh, actually a lot of recent stuff that I'm like, oh, I want to read this. And, and even like there's regular titles where I'm just about at the point where I'm like, oh, I can well, read they, this going forward. Yeah. They've mm-hmm. done their time jump. Yeah. Right. So from six months to three months, the number of things that I haven't read, da, 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 da. Anyway. Peter Porker, The Spectacular Spider-Ham, uh, written by Zeb Wells. And let me see if I can nail down the rest of the talent, because they are, they are talented. Um, that was just five issues. I read it all, like, Monday night, in a wonder, as Graham would say. And uh, that was just fabulous. Uh, Wells, Robson, and Arcanigia, or Arcanigia, I think. A-R-C-I-N-I-E-G-A. I'm yes. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I should, this is just pulling from the covers, which I took shots from. I should get the uh, Mr. Robson's first name because he, they just both do a ton of sh- great stuff. But 
I think you know because I think you're you're one of those dudes that has a lot of a lot of time for Zeb Wells. I want to say is that is that right or is I, that I'm actually not. Really? That's not true. That's not true. I like his work, but I don't think he's. There are people I know who think that Zeb Wells can do no wrong mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. and I'm not one of those people. I like his work. Mm. But I'm not one of these people who's like everything. Like, oh my god, that new mutant series he did is revolutionary. I'm not one of those guys. Mm. Okay, okay, that's good to know. That being said, and uh, hmm. so you know how I really liked Gwenpool a lot, and you were like, eh, it's fine. Like, there's nothing he's really doing with the metaphor. Will, yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Robson. It, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. First off, artist Will Robson. Second off, there is a very good chance that Spider Ham's um, cross multiversal hijinks will leave you kind of flat. Like you'll be like, eh, "It's all right. There's nothing I haven't seen here before." But I actually think that it is a it's a super solid, really fun comic with a with just a tremendous amount of goofiness and invention in it um and and just yeah thoroughly enjoyed it and again all of the various there's a lot of meta in there and i would say the vast majority of the meta really pays off very well um now what sort of meta um because i've i've realized that like i have I have a taste for some meta and other meta leaves me very cold. Um, And do you know which works well for you and why? Well, what I was going to say is the surprise for me is you remember Al Ewing's Rocket series. Yes. The Blaired Murdoch joke (laughs) in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Like tickled me to the point where I still think about it months later. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Because it's simultaneously an in-joke and a meta-joke and something that is so silly that it works on its own, mm-hmm. for want of a better way of putting it. Right. Like if the meta is – if the only thing, quote-unquote, funny about it is the reference, mm-hmm. I kind of get annoyed by it. Right, right. That makes sense. You know, if there's a meta thing but there's also an, a point to it, for mm-hmm. want of a better way of putting it, mm-hmm. then great. Mm-hmm. So, so spectacular Spider Ham. Part of what I appreciate ab- about it is, uh, I think it just works on a lot of different levels. So it starts off with Spider Ham. He's back in his universe. He is fighting with. He is joined up with and is superheroing with the Avengers. Uh, which I for, I think are called the scavengers, maybe, and which are various uh, animal oriented. Yeah, Avengers. exactly. Which because I never read the original Spider Ham stuff, I have no idea if they are recurrent characters or not. But um, I most of those jokes in a sort of Captain Carrot esque sort of way, I think land. Spider-Ham is in conflict be- with everyone because because he has crossed over and helped save the multiverse in Spider-Geddon has an enormously thick, uh, big head and high impression of himself. And the rest of the superheroes hate him. Um, he's written very much, again, like the, unsurprisingly, like the Spider-Ham that people into the Spider-Verse would recognize. And it does help that a lot of his, you know, 
what he's talking about could very easily be, um, you know, the, the, the Miles Morales film as much as Spider-Geddon. Um, and so it's easy to hear his voice. He's, he's basically a, a so full of himself that they all hate him. And yet he ends up, they, they need his watch, um, to uh, essentially there is a, a multiverse hopping villain who is causing trouble. Spider-Ham has the multiverse watch, but it doesn't, it's the batteries that run dead. It's unpowered. So they want to take it from him and send one of the scavengers out across the universe to, um, to basically save the day. And he's like, well, it should be me because I am the greatest hero here. Anyway, all of which is, it's his redemption arc, it's him and the real Spider-Man at one point, because the watch is powered by the bee yonder, which is a bee, of course. Of uh, course. Of course. It literally, at one point, drags them into the realm between the panels. Um, but one of the things that's actually really great is for the first three issues, you see Spider-Ham in a circular inset panel commenting on the action that's happening around him. And it almost seems like he's the narrator. And later what, en what ends up happening is when he gets dragged into the space between the panels that saves him and Spider-Man from certain doom by the beyonder, he starts poking his head through and you start hearing he, he's making all the comments that you see in the later three issues. And then he and Spider-Man take turns poking their heads through the hole and you don't see what's happening and they make comments that just sound ridiculously out of context. And then of course those happen over the next two and a half issues. So that's the kind of formalist stupidity that I, as you know, I'm just so totally that, in the tank that's for. That's very you. Exactly. And the and way... Not, it's like a, a snidey... Like, a <laughs> I like, it just feels very <laughs> you. It feels like the sort of thing you'd be like, oh, I'm losing my shit over. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I read all five issues in a go, and I lost my shit over it. I re really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that was that was fabulous. I also, weirdly enough, read Fantastic Four Empire number one, uh, which... Again. Uh, well, I had read Avengers Empire number oh, one. But oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That no, was no. right. You read Avengers and you didn't like it, and I warned you off Empire. Uh, Fantastic Four. Right, and maybe because that was the lower expectations, and also the fact that it it doesn't it's it's so tangential to the Empire thing, or so it seems for the opening of it. It's kind of like, oh, here's an FF book set at this intergalactic uh, casino with the Grandmasters sister i can't even remember what she's called the interloper yeah, I, I, yeah. uh the yeah I, know, I yeah i know i know what you mean and i also can't remember her name <laughs> the facilitator and you know what honestly it's all fine it's all fine it is actually it's it is a really good incredibles comic you know what i mean and so that was kind of like oh that's okay, but I exactly, mean, exactly. Sure, sure. Why not? Yeah, is sure. one of the takeaways, right? Yeah, it's like exactly. okay. That, yeah, yeah. Great. Right. I like reading about these characters. Their interactions are mostly fun. There's little bits like slot for the most part. I feel is a 
you know, is a is a relatively solid, not super exciting comic book writer where he'll connect the dots or one of the things that you think is like his little throwaway for local color becomes the bit on which the story revolves. Like it's 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 very competent Hollywood screenwriter stuff. And like I said, and it's fine. It's you know, hashtag not my Fantastic Four, but it is, <laughs> but it's okay. You know, I, I read. Did I tell you I read all of the Iron Man twenty twenty series? Because mm. Marvel put it all up. Really? Like they, they jumped ahead. Mm. Uh, I think it was last month. It was just before the Chris Cantwell series launched. Right. And like in the week before, they were like, you know, you could wait three months to read then the miniseries, but here's all of it at once. Here's the entire event. Wow. Um, and. That's uh, <laughs> slots. Slots Iron Man is kind of a fucking mess. I believe it. I believe uh, it. I, well, it does things. That, it makes arguments that if you take them on face value, then their resolution don't oh. make sense. Mm-hmm. So, for example, midway through the run, it goes well. Tony Stark isn't Tony Stark. He's an artificial intelligence because his mind is based on a backup. Mm-hmm. And his body has been rebuilt artificially. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So if you buy into that, you buy into that. Right? And then midway right. through, they're like, but he's not really an artificial intelligence because it's a backup of the real Tony Stark and his body was remade by using his DNA. What? That doesn't make exactly. any... Exactly. Yeah. All right. right? Uh-huh. It's like, sure, but like, if I if I believed you the first time, then why would I believe you this time? The two things are in conflict. Yeah, exactly. You know? Right. It's, it's kind of a little bit of the way you defined it. The first time was broad enough that I bought it. And then the second time by re narrowing it is much, much harder to buy. I would yeah, think. You can't really re narrow it. Yeah. You know, once right. The exactly. And especially because that's the hook for the beginning of Iron Man 2020. Hmm. Right, the hook for for the beginning of Iron Man 2020 is Tony Stark has been revealed to be an artificial intelligence. He has therefore joined the quote unquote robot revolution, which is robots of the Marvel universe versus people, basically. Right. Right. Hmm. Um, and he is again spoilers, but spoilers for a comic that's you know more than six months old at this point. Mm-hmm. The Tony Stark quote unquote AI is the the leader of the robot revolution. He is revealed uh-huh. to be the mastermind who's who's doing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's various machinations to to go. Well, you're not really a ro- you're not really artificial intelligence at all, Tony. And it's like, but you fucking are. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Um, but also the so he's been replaced by his brother, mm-hmm. right. Arno, who yeah. who was like Kieran Gillen introduced way back in like 2013 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd love to know what Kieran planned to do with him, mm-hmm. because what subsequently happened to that character, oh, and, dear. and honestly, what subsequently happened to the idea of like Tony Stark is adopted, mm-hmm. just feared wildly as if everyone who touched the story since then was like, "Fuck knows uh, this," right, right, you know, and then they're like, uh, "Okay, so so fucking this, sure, this mm-hmm. this instead." Um, so Arno then turns out to be kind of a megalomaniac but megalomaniac who genuinely believes that he's uh by the end of the story removing all free will from living beings on the earth for everyone's good of course right um but even that has like a twist 
that's kind of unnecessary. And it feels by the end as if Slot has tried to do the, like, you know, I set all this up and I'm paying it off. Look at me. Right. And it's exhausting. Right. <laughs> you know, like he's he's dotting all his eyes, but there really is a bunch of stuff. You're like, you could have like you could have ignored this. Yeah. You could have ignored this and not had this additional twist, and it would have been a better read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's sort of breathless, claustrophobic storytelling. Right. And right. one of the things I liked about Empire, because I did like Empire overall, mm-hmm. is that maybe because Slot's only a co-plotter, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because Al Ewing is a much uh, I don't want to say more casual writer, but his, his, his writing doesn't have the the really uptight nature of slots. Mm-hmm. Um, it breathes more, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Like Iron Man twenty twenty really does feel, you know, like it's it's he's he's really desperately being like, okay, I've got six more issues to tell my ultimate Iron Man story, and I'm going to do everything I can, right? You well, know. Madame Mask and Jocasta, right? And Machine Man and Arno Stark, and is you know Herbie because of course he fucking has Herbie. Of course, you know? yeah. Uh, but it's it's just by the end of it, you just feel like tired. <laughs> that could that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. There are times where you kind of don't. I mean, I do feel from when I was following sort of checking in on slots spider-man run it sort of felt a little bit similar similarly exhausting in that slot was felt like he was trying to swing for the fences every time he got up at bat and and i mean that's kind of fine but i mean it's also sort of you know, I don't know. It just there. There's just there's it, just. It's a weird thing that like I get that slot is. It's clear that slot's a fan of this stuff. Right. Same's true of his Fantastic Four, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you get that he's a fan of it. You get that he's read all this shit. And mm-hmm. You get that he loves these characters and is trying to do the best by these characters. Right. Right. But it also feels so exhaustive that it's exhausting. Hmm. Whereas for me, I think the the part that always bothers me at least most of the time about slot stuff is uh there's a certain there's there's a thing that he sort of i always feel he is kind of like oh this is a given about the character that is not a given at all as far as i'm considered <laughs> but, but, it, but it's it's his given like yeah it's one exactly like his his idea of the characters exactly uh, are become it's it's strange have you been keeping up with his fantastic four uh no i should because again there's something like 10 or 11 issues by now on marvel unlimited and oh, i think there's, I'd only there's read. more than that i Is think there? up to the 20s maybe no on marvel unlimited really See, I think sure i'm not paying any attention you know wait what did i read you know, I feel like I sat down like months ago. Maybe that's why. Maybe I I stopped at issue eleven. Like I think I maybe I did read a bunch of those, and and it's like they all yeah, just hey, evaporated off my went mind. Off Marvel Unlimited this week. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm totally high then. What did I? Well, anyway, tell me, Graham. Tell me. Have you? Are well, you no, keeping up? Or... I, no, because I was going to say like I I feel it sort of backs up what you're saying. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, I I feel it, but it's it's 
maybe maybe it's that I like incredible stories. Like I like his Fantastic Four enough. Yeah. I no, mean, I mean that's it exactly. It works. It works to a greater or lesser degree. Yeah, depending on storyline. To be honest, like the the Doctor Doom storyline, not so much. And that part of that is his Doctor Doom is not my Doctor Doom. You know, gosh, I know I did read these. That's right. Yeah, because there's that whole thing about there's the Galactus. There's a Galactus Doctor Doom sort of oh, crossover. Boy. There. Okay, yeah, I gotta but, go back and check it. Yeah, but mm-hmm. the the and it's just finished in Marvel Unlimited. Now they've done this jump. Mm-hmm. There's a thing called Point of Origin. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is like original con- concepts and co- characters. I mean, it's kind of not because it's it's very much like it. None of it's really new ideas for one of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. But it it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Like it worked as a Fantastic Four story. That in the the most recent issue of Fantastic Four, Valeria, and this is again. A spoiler, not a spoiler. Valeria basically creates a portal to anywhere and any time. Mm. Mm. And I like that idea. That mm-hmm. feels like a Fantastic Four idea. Right. Do you know what I mean? It feels like a story engine that works for the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And Slot does things like that that I do really appreciate. Mm. You know, point of one of the things about Point of Origin is... It does this thing which, honestly, far too many comics do. Like, Ben Superman did this as well, which is, you know the origin, but you don't know the full story of the origin. Here's the full story of the origin. Right. And, you know, more often than not, that's just a completely unnecessary and kind of a fucking mess. Yeah. But Point of Origin does something that is at least not what I expected. And so I was like, sure, okay, fine. I'll go along with this. I'm enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he does write his versions of these characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he does. Mm-hmm. He I, does write. I, I would say Spider-Man more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like like Iron Man. But honestly, by the time that Slot came on to Iron Man, Iron Man wasn't really the Iron Man that most people know. Well, that's. You know? I mean, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like yeah. Bendis, uh, Gillen to a small extent, Bendis to a much greater extent, really fucked with the 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 basic concept behind mm-hmm. Iron Man. So that when Slot comes on, it's like, uh, fine. He's, he's called Tony Stark. He's, he wears armor. Great. Right, right. Um, exactly. But, you know, Fantastic Four, he's generally writing a Fantastic Four I recognize. Mm-hmm. It has the problem, as all Fantastic Fours do, that Johnny gets reset every single time. Right. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. Uh, ben is basically consistent because Ben is basically consistent. Right. Reed is honestly, I think I like Slot Reed more than I've liked a lot of Reeds in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sue is again left far too much in the background. So in that respect, it really is like a Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I recognize them as Fantastic Four. Honestly, Slot Spider Man was just different enough mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. That I was like, I it's it's a Spider Man, right, right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I I know this looks like Peter Parker, and mm-hmm. sometimes he acts like Peter Parker, but it doesn't feel like quote unquote my Peter Parker. Yes, right, exactly, exactly. And I think uh, you know there is a weird feeling for me is a lot of these characters have in so many ways changed. I mean, which is probably for the best because I was reading these characters like, 
you know, I sort of started 40 years ago. And so there's certain ideas that I have that they have definitely cast aside or moved on for. But there's also weird ways in which the characters, it seems to me, keep getting stuck in new ruts, I guess. And like this, this Fantastic Four Empire one shot was fine and and good, but it like I I was there is so so much of a a crucial part of that engine was we have to go into the casino, you kids stay in the Fantastic Car and don't come out and the kids being like, Okay, we're clearly not going to do that. And Again, it's it's sort of closer to the Incredibles. Like there's there's, uh, I'm 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 okay kind of with the Fantastic Four being a feel good family comic book. Um, I think it's in some ways kind of a good pleasant change from you know the kind of two hundred issues of we're tearing each other apart who's quit the team now kind of fantastic four uh but at the same time i also find myself being kind of like uh yeah i just i don't you know it's just that weird thing of um it's just weird it's just there's and i don't again i enjoyed fantastic four empire and i was like yeah i might pick up the I I can see myself sitting down on on Mar- Marvel Unlimited and reading the rest of Slots Fantastic yeah. Four. In fact, I have they're, the uncomfortable feeling I might have read through. They're fun blog. comics. Yeah, exactly. They're fun comics, which is fine. That's that's great. It really is. I'm also aware that there's kind of that strange kind of like there's something that's lost there at least for me that maybe isn't actually lost for other people um there's some weird imperative that is lost and of course for you know if you look at the letters pages for like the first 12 issues of the fantastic four back in the 60s man the kids reading that really would be pissed by now i mean they're probably not because they've grown up with the characters in a way but like when you sort of look at there, there is a weird, um, the Fantastic Four, I mean, until it, it falls into and beyond a course of a rut, like the, the first 40 issues, even, even then when the engine really kicks on, um, the Fantastic Four book is kind of a book where you don't necessarily know what's going to happen next. And I, yeah. I have to really say part of the charms of Fantastic Four Empire was very much kind of, um, you know, it was, I keep going back to food metaphors this episode. It was a warm glass of milk. I'm like, oh, this was comforting. This is nice. And honestly, I think that's the appeal of slot writing in general. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I think I think slot succeeds with the fans, and honestly, with me, mm-hmm. when it is closer to what I expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's like, oh yeah, I recognize these characters. I know what these characters are doing. I know who they are. Well, and I definitely think there is something where, after all the who gets killed, who turns evil, yeah, well, stuff. That's just it. Yeah, like, this is the first fun Fantastic Four run I can 
honestly remember since Wade and Ringo. Right, right, exactly. Like, and that's like 15 years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean... Because everything else has been. The team's breaking up, or someone's dead, right. or, you know, they're they're all complete dicks because of Civil War, or whatever. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, you had the, the really nice um, McDuffie run mm, for the mm-hmm. last, like, a year, but that by intent was not the fantastic four right exactly that was was ben and johnny and and uh, black, uh, panther black panther and storm Star. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like it's it's i i can't i just like okay so jms was writing for a while that was terrible mm-hmm. and then there was mcduffie and then there was miller and hitch which was at best the miller and hitch version of of the fantastic four and then there was hickman Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, James Robinson. Oh, there's Bat Fraction in there as well. That's right. Yeah, it's just oof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like part of the reason I like the slot run is I recognize it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And you know, it's until it went really awry. I remember. Well, it's it's not worth it, Graham. I, I, I mean, it's it's not worth having me weigh in with my blavity blab, but I do think there is something that's familiar and comfortable. And there's something to be said about familiar and comfortable comics, you know, like again, honestly, the superheroes, I think, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm definitely the, the, uh, the majority of the manga that I'm reading is definitely comfort food. Uh, you know, of an entirely different sort of stripe, but it's comfort food. Like Blue Flag is, despite the one little twist, it's it's just a high school romance comic, and I'm I'm into it. Like I I need more romance comics in my life. You know, I'm totally down with that. Uh, but you know, so it's hard for me to actually be like, oh yeah, what I need is something that's going to reinvent the wheel. But it is. Um, it is funny to me how much superhero books have the, well, I honestly, I think that there is a lot to be said for superhero books, having new titles and new characters, new concepts, such that even when they're reinventing the wheel, it feels new and fresh because they can work in a twist and you don't know where it's going to go. All of which is to say, I read volume one of Icon, or I, I've read most of, I don't think I'm finished with it. I might be an issue or two away from finishing volume one. Uh, and volume two is on Hoopla, so I might actually just move from, from that to that without without um, without uh, expending, emptying my wallet out. But uh, that is, as you had promised, Icon is an incredibly enjoyable uh, Dwayne McDuffie comic that feels a a lot more sure of what it is, where it's mm-hmm. going, and how it's going mm-hmm. to get there, and therefore is um is just a much smoother read and really enjoyable, you know. Because it, it is, is it's 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 very very it's a very fun read. I like Icon a lot. Yeah. I should say the second collection of Icon is not a second collection, for want of a better way of putting it. Hmm. It's a it's a weird collection of of. A storyline, but not sequential issues. Wow, what? So really? it's it's not like I'm gonna have to see what else. Oh, so it's like some crossover with Blood Syndicate or something like that no. that runs throughout the things. Uh, it, it, no. it's, let's see, 
I'm looking it up right now because it collects weird issues. Hmm. Oh, it's not telling me. This is not fun. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it collects issues 13, 19 through 22, 24 through 27, and 30. What? Yeah. It, did the other – I mean, those other issues weren't like reprint 23, issues, were they? 23, I think, is a fill-in. Huh. And then I think 13 is like a thematic – prologue to the main story and the other issues and then 30 is like an epilogue mm-hmm. if that makes sense right but like it's it's like, for example i said last week that i was reading the korovac saga mm-hmm. collection right? right and that's not sequential issues hmm. oh no, that's, right yes that's like just the issues and then there's bits in between and i think it's right. the same thing as that mm. okay that's kind of a bummer um but i get it okay well that's good to know and like i said haven't finished volume one of Icon, but it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, I mean, there's a way in which you can kind of be like, oh, yeah, it's Superman if he had Robin as a sidekick. But of course, they're both black and it's completely different from that. And yet there's a lot of iconography ideas and um, just good stuff that's built off that foundation and there's part of me where I'm like, yeah, this is more enjoyable than if you gave Dwayne McDuffie six issues of Superman where he gave him Robin as a sidekick. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it is its own thing. You can see where the influences are, but it that is that only heightens the enjoyment and it is not yes. just the soul. You can see the influences, but also... It because you can see the influences when yeah. it diverts from that, right? It feels more impactful. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and there, there is a lot about how Icon is quite pointedly like not Superman. Like, there's yes, ways exactly. in which he is, uh, he has decided to be an inspirational figure, but it is precisely the so many things about that that make it completely different from right there on. And I, and uh, I really, I really, I really dug it. I was a little disquieted by how much rocket his sidekick. I don't know if I had read this in another interview or you told me, but every time I looked at her, I'm like, wow, they really like Jada Pinkett Smith. Like that was, <laughs> that looks like a young, like every other panel. I'm like, that's, oh, God, a, that's a young Jada Pinkett Smith. Like, you know, and so that's really in, in its own way, neither here nor there, but it was like, wow, that's a, hmm, eh. um, uh, and there's also a couple of comic book gimmies in there where I'm like, huh, like I never would have. Hmm. Um, I feel, I feel that's present throughout um milestone in general sure like you've read the static you've read the original static stuff right no 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 i still haven't yeah okay because static is is filled with that mm. and 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 in the best way i should mm-hmm. say like it's i i don't mean that detrimentally at all mm-hmm. but i think that uh, i think that milestone was definitely comic created by comics fans for comics fans oh absolutely uh, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I think is actually really funny, and I'm going to screw this up, um, is, th- yeah, oh no, I guess I do, eh, I don't, it, it, is, um, it's, 
what it reminds me of the five or six issues of Icon that I've read so far really reminds me a ton of is the Mark Wade boom title, the, you know, plat- oh, Irredeemable? Irredeemable. Yeah, with the Plutonian. Yeah, it's... They they feel like kissing cousins. I gotta say, I was like, I don't know if wow, Wade's read this or not, uh, but Wade has almost certainly read it. Like it seems, yeah, entirely exactly. un- unrealistic that we didn't read it. Um, that's, huh? I would never have made that connection because for mm. me, irredeemable is invincible. Is is Robert Kirkman's invincible? Mm, right, right. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. In well, because. Invincible is the is like the super powered, but he's more of a kid, right? Like that's kind of again that Wait, in that weird. Have you read Invincible? Yeah, I think the first ten or twelve issues, okay. like so up they're... until there's a reveal about the dad that I think I made. Yeah, it to that's what I didn't say. Read the reveal past. about dads. Yeah, feels like very much an, an inspiration. I might be getting my timeline wrong. When does Invincible start? I think Invincible has been running for a long time, and I think it was. Invincible Image Comics started in 2002. Right, which is earlier. Definitely after that, Yeah, right? like 2000, I want to say 6 or 8 or 10 or something like that. Um, Come on, Wikipedia, don't let me down. Don't let me Irredeemable down. Irredeemable started in 2009. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Irredeemable was significantly after that. Yeah. So, I always, I had always thought that Irredeemable was was basically Invincible. Mm-hmm. But Invincible leaning even heavier into the Superman riff. Right. Right. And it could be, like, I could totally be wrong, but... Maybe it's the McDuffie and Wade being hardcore comic book fans of the same age and with a strong DC kind of that and I could be wrong. But like I said, I just part of me is like, oh, yeah, it's kind of part of that may also be in that as we're talking about singing the praises of solid but unspectacular comic art uh Mark Bright really is okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like... true. Icon is such a great comic, and and I say this to someone who thinks that Mark Bright is is fine. He's just fine. Exactly. Like there's no point in Icon where you're like that. That this art is 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 blowing my head away. Yeah. And then the truth is the same story of Irredeemable. You're right. Like yeah. Peter Krauss does a good job. Right. Exactly. And so everything certainly feels like it's certainly there. And it's not even it's not even a negative. It's fine in a, you know, you go to the supermarket, you buy the cheap bread, you buy the cheap bologna or or even the higher end white bread and the higher end bologna. But you're still kind of just eating a bologna sandwich, you know, and still kind of like, yeah, it's 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 perfectly good for somebody who doesn't really want to tax their appetite or really is necessarily interested in eating food at the point, but you know, is, is going to need to do so or else he'll starve. Like it's, yeah, it's fine. So, so yeah, in that sense, I'm like kind of, and it's not, it's not as if I'm like, where's Ryan Oatley? Holy hell. But I mean, I was going to say, yeah. you know, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. Invincible has exactly the same thing where the art yeah. 
does the job. Right. It does the job and probably seems super great to certain people who, who like it. And part of me is like, it's probably a little closer to being Mark Bagley than Peter Krause, but you know, it's, or Mark Bright, but it is what it is. Yeah. So all of those things are kind of, hmm, it would be great. It would, it, I sort of feel like we should like each pick a page from each of those books and, and just pretend like, just act like they're the, you know, a page from the different book, you know, <laughs> just like, and in this page of invincible, Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, irredeemable. We, Oh no, I'm sorry again. I mean, icon. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, Graham, I think we, did we chat through our little moment? We of... did. I, I was actually going to say, do you want to take a break? Cause I feel like we're, we're on borrowed time. We, Oh my God. A challenges of the unknown reference. Yes. The the podcasters of the unknown. Why didn't they do that, Graham? God, there was something that I was thinking about that uh, somebody mentioned, Who and would I was listen to the podcasters of the unknown. It would be the best. I I mean, probably nobody. I don't know. I was looking at there was just some little thing I was thinking. It was really dumb, and I was like, oh yeah, man, they rebooted the Challengers of the Unknown right around the time of Metal and. They did New Challengers, which, again, I read that comic, and that was – Right? That was a comic that, that someone might have intended to run for longer, and then they decided to just cut it loose after six issues. Yeah. Oh, completely. Well, I forget. was Who was writing? Was that Tinian? Snyder. Snyder? I read the first issue of that. Snyder and someone else. Oh, so yeah, right. And it was Snyder and one of his students. Oh, right. One of his students, yeah. I uh, – oof. That was – oof. Man, yeah, I should go back. That is one of those like yeah, uh, Aaron Gillespie, Scott Snyder, and Aaron Gillespie. It says oh, okay, oh bless and, his heart. And drawn by Andy Kubert. Right, right. It was um, yeah, that was definitely something that was a, a disaster. <laughs> that was bad. I got to admit, was, there that was really not good. And I, yeah. I, I don't know about you. Uh, maybe you did the same because you've got DC Universe. Did you read an awful lot of those New Age of Heroes? Books? No, I should. I should. I actually bought no, like the. You shouldn't. Well, no, I. You're right. I shouldn't. But part of me is like, oh, I should read the Challengers, and I have to say because I think it was Dan Abnett was writing it. I was kind of into Silencer. I was. Yeah, I had that, a little bit Silencer, of... which was surprisingly strong. Yeah. Yeah. Damage was uh, never quite lived up to the concept, which is basically what if the Hulk, but somehow more stupid and he's right. a military man. Yeah. Um, and yes, I do think there's more of a, like there is more to that concept than that comic game. Yeah. Um, but um, Sideways was like the, the Dan Dio Sideways series was yeah. like, I kind of liked. I, I have to say that was the one that I was like, I... I really wanted to pick up, you know, because it had a little bit of the, um, yeah, it just seemed, that seemed fun. Damage had Tony Daniel and Silencer was Abnett. And at least for the first five or six issues, John Romita Jr. So I was yeah. kind of like, I'm, I'm like into that. And Challengers was the one where I have Challengers to admit, was a disaster. like that first issue alone. I was like, fuck. I, I've looked. I've looked up all of them. 
Um, damage, silence, or sideways. The Terrifics. The Terrifics was great, actually. Mm. You did like the Terrifics a lot. And yeah. Terrifics is the one that lasts by far the longest. It's only just ended. That's right. That's right. Curse Man. of Brimstone, I literally can't remember anything about. Mm-hmm. Right. Mortal Men was, was the Tinyan book, and it was... I, I know I've read it, and I honestly don't remember anything about oh, it. I think New it Challengers, was... which was terrible, and then right. The Unexpected. I liked The Unexpected. It was another of those um, Steve Orlando books that just disappeared. You know what? I have to say, I take it back. I think I read The Immortal Men. Wasn't The Immortal Men? It was Tinian, and the first issue uh, was Jim Lee? Or Yes. And right. then, yeah, then Lee was off, like, immediately. Yeah. I, and I... Lee was off, like, by issue two. I, it's shocking that he completed the issue. Um, cause I got to say that was, yeah, that's right. That was a dog and God, did I read new, Ch- maybe I didn't read new challengers. New challengers is the challengers of the unknown book. Yeah. Which should have been the one as a challengers fan. I should have read, but like, I feel like it just, maybe it scarred me so much. Every time I start it's, thinking it's about it. Good. It's yeah. not good. Jeff. Right. I will tell you that right now. It is a bad comic. Yeah. Um, let's see. Ryan Benjamin took over Immortal Men as of issue two. Mm-hmm. And he lasted until issue three. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tyler Kirkham drew the remaining four issues. Ooh, fuck. Oh, that's bad. That's well, that's, the remaining three issues. It's only a six issue series. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's super it, bad. Like, New Age of DC Heroes books disappeared really, really, really quickly. Let's see. The Unexpected lasted eight issues. That was the Steve Orlando Ryan Sook book. Right, which, boy, that first issue. I read two issues of that, and, of course, it's Ryan Sook, so it looked gorgeous. But that was where I started suspecting that Steve Orlando was not my jam, you know? Steve Orlando is... I, honestly, very much my jam, I've realized. And part of it is, I think he just read the same Graham Morrison comics as me. But see, I did too, Graham. I don't understand why you can say that to me. I'm like, yes, but, I, but no. But no. Like, it, it feels like every single time he does like a play on, on an existing concept, I'm like, oh, I know where you're lifting that from. And I go along with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, like Electric Warriors is a series I think left everyone cold who was not me. I mean, I was in it until like, like at first issue, I'm like, oh, this is going to be it. And then the second issue, it didn't. Like, there's just something, bless his heart. Yeah, there's just some weird. Unexpected took me a couple of issues to get into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I suffered because it was Ryan Sook, to be honest with you. And Carrie Nord, Carrie Nord starts drawing it in the second issue. Oh, really? And Wait, a, does Sook only thing. do the first issue and then Nord? No, is... Sook stays, no, Sook stays on for the entire series. But, like, Carrie Nord comes on and they basically split art oh, for the rest wow. of the series. That's it's crazy. Really huh. Huh. Um, and what's odd is also that the two of them play off really well together, despite the fact that their art doesn't look like each other. I was about to say, that seems insane to me. The only thing that I can think of for me is, is that both of their work is somehow very uh innately tied to color and so i can sort of see how it would work it's uh, they do it by playing they do it by playing like you know carrie nor draws this character Mm. like this story thread and reinsuk draws this story thread. okay that seems well which seems that makes sense but also it it works but also like it it shouldn't because they don't look similar to at all at all yeah um 
Gary Nord had a really weird like return to DC. He did that and he did Wonder Woman for like the first five issues of G. Willow Wilson's short-lived run. Mm. And then he just fucking disappeared again. Yeah, I feel... I feel like I must have I must have read that because of course I read the first two or three issues. I pulled the ripcord on Jude Willow Wilson's Wonder Woman pretty quick. I gotta say, I actually really dug it, but I didn't until I read the collection that DC sent to me. Huh. Interesting. So better it's in a one, one of those, sort of sense. One of those, yeah, it's one of those things that reads better when you read a chunk of it. Hmm. And honestly, there's a lot of that, and it's. It's kind of a problem, I think. Hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I, I am old-fashioned, Jeff. <laughs> I think the issue of a comic should be able to stand on its own two feet. Agreed. Yep. And there's a bunch that don't. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think uh, Willow's Wonder Woman is part of that. Oh, okay. I'll tell you, actually, maybe Nord was the one to blame. Um, but... Wilson's first issue, I think, has something where it's like Ares, the god of war, is cast out or escapes and more or less ends up in a war zone. Yes, yes. Okay. And he escapes the prison that he's placed in at the end of Rucka's run. Right. That was the other thing that Willow's uh, run had against it. Yes. It literally followed plot threads, plot on plot threads from Rucka and James Robinson's runs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. Which, on the one hand, that's a great gift if you've been reading this shit all along. Yeah. On the other, say you've jumped aboard because you like G. Bella Wilson, like being like, I'm not really going to explain who Grail is, but she's been really important if you've been reading the Robinson run. Right, right. Was, again, an interesting choice. So, so I tell you the thing that fucked things up, and I don't know if this was Nord or if this was Wilson, but so... Ares, as you point out, escapes, comes to Earth, and more or less takes on another human incarnation. And one of the ways that they fuck it up is at the, it looks like the end of the first issue cliffhanger, is that Ares, the god of war, has taken over Steve Trevor's body. Which, to me, makes a lot of sense, because Steve Trevor is an Air Force guy, right? And I was like, oh... The God of War, here's a guy who's a warrior. Now Wonder Woman's basically her greatest adversary has more or less incarnated in the spirit of her on-again, off-again love. And, sure. and like that's, that's a plot. Well, see, that's it. It's a stronger plot than what they did because in the next issue I pick it up and like Steve Trevor has been saved by like a farting minotaur and like some unicorn who like hustles pool for a living or something. And I'm just like, what? You know what I mean? Like it, it just falls like Wilson flipped a coin and twee fantasy novel came up, which makes sense. But I was like, oh, really? Shit. Like this idea seemed to make. <laughs> yeah. I liked I liked the story I wrote better. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. entirely based on me misunderstanding Carrie Nord's art and some of the coloring decisions. Cause I think they also yeah. give him blonde hair. So I was like, yeah, no, 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 they did. Like it, it's, it's one of those things where the big reveal is like, look who it is. And you're like, I don't know. Well, see, that's it. You either like me, you guess wrong or, but yeah, it was one of those like really bad, like it just didn't, it just 
Yeah, that was the classic like failed failure. What what's the what was that horrible Matthew McConaughey movie? Failure, failure to launch. Failure to launch. Yeah, exactly. It was like it get you get to it, and I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. And I pick up ta- it like second page or page two, and I'm like. Oh no, 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 no. When my misunderstanding is more interesting to me than what I'm reading, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a failure to launch, you say. And, and Matthew McConaughey comes in the background and is like, hey, (laughs) the the best part was I was going to do a Matthew McConaughey impression and then realized I didn't have one. And so I just stopped. I should have realized that I was actually setting you up to do one. Of course. Well, all right, all right, all right. How was that? Is that okay? Is that right? Here's the thing. <laughs> it's better than mine. I'm not going to say anything. Oh, wow. Another ringing endorsement. I'm two for two in this episode. I'm going to be honest. I can't remember what Matthew McConaughey sounds like. I know. It's kind of – it's a shame yeah, at that because – You just sound like you're a drunk upper-class Englishman. Okay. I'm trying for Texas, but yeah, that's all right. That's <laughs> – I'll take it. I'll You're like, sure, I can be a drunk upper class Englishman. Yes. Is that who we are now? Yes, that's what we're doing. I mean, unfortunately, I still have to try and do it like I'm a Texan. Because I remember the one time I tried to break out my drunk Englishman. You're like, oh, God, you sound Australian. I'm like, really? Like, so, yeah, my my thing is it's not good. Werner Herzog. Um, I feel like Werner Herzog <laughs> has been in the news a lot lately. <laughs> Oh my god, that was the greatest non sequitur. <laughs> what we're talking about drunk Englishman Werner Herzog. So here here is the connective tissue that I think will make you a incredible Werner Herzog impression? No, I'm sure it, mine is terrible. But somebody Werner Herzog was on a podcast and somebody played him Paul F. Tompkins oh, yes, impersonation yes, yes. of him. I, yes, I've heard that audio and it's amazing. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, and of course it's the Paul Paul F. Tompkins is Werner Herzog reading the Yelp review of uh the Trader Joe's on Imperial Boulevard that was written by someone I, I don't know if it's written by Tompkins or another Herzog impersonator. But it's great. And then hearing and then the podcast guy literally having the stones being like, so, so what do you think of that? <laughs> Which was just great. I love that little that little section of of audio snippet was fabulous. You're so. going to have to put that in the show notes now. You really are. Yeah, I'll I'll have to find it. Damn it. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to pivot off something entirely different, which is. You're talking about Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman, which reminds me, I got back issues of Adventure Comics this week in the mail. Ooh. I got them because I finally, finally, Jeff, have completed my Jerry Conway's New Gods collection. Oh, boy. Finally. Wow. Because um, you may remember, New Gods starts in first issue special. That's Then right. continues in Return of the Gods, and then gets cancelled one issue from its conclusion. Yeah. And the, the, the remaining stories split across two issues of Adventure Comics. Yes, the, the four-dollar um, issue. They're, yeah, they're, they're amazing comics. Everyone yeah. can read them for themselves because they're in the Return of the New Gods uh, collection that just came out. Jerry right. Conway's New Gods just had a collection out. Oh, interesting. And that is on Hoopla if you want to read it. That's fabulous. Um, but Adventure Comics, uh, the issues that appears in is a dollar comic, and this mm-hmm. is the seventies, seventy eight or something, I guess. Um, and so it's new shorts of Flash, Green Lantern. Uh, in the first issue, it's Flash, Green Lantern, uh, New Gods, 
Elongated Man and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And then over the next issue, it becomes the drop Elongated Man and they bring in Aquaman. Mm. However, the Wonder Woman stories are fucking bonkers. <laughs> they are eight pages long. Mm-hmm. They are very tightly rooted to, I guess, the continuity of the main comic at the time. Mm. By which I mean, the one in the first issue, the first issue, Jeff, (laughs) starts with Wonder Woman running with the corpse of Steve Trevor (laughs) in the streets of Washington, (laughs) D.C. Basically, like, screaming to the gods to make Steve Trevor live again Mm. because at this point he'd already died and come back to life again right Right, so she's basically going you did it once you could do it again Mm. in an eight-page story not only do the gods go no (laughs) they then send her to hell where she meets it's not the devil i think it might be hades like Mm. you know basically Mm -hmm. a devil standing right who she fights, and then she is lost in hell forever until Steve Trevor's ghost tells her to come back to the light, at which case she comes out of hell and is like, Steve's definitely dead. And that's the story. Wow! Who wrote that? Jack C. Harris. Oh, Jack C. Harris. Jack C. Harris writes them, and Jack Abel draws them. Wow. weird eight-page comics. Holy shit. The next one, I think it's the next one. Maybe it's the one after Because I got a job lot of three issues of Adventure Comics, Jeff, mm-hmm. for one dollar. <laughs> on eBay. One dollar. One of the issues. It's either the next one or it's the one after that. Mm. Uh, the cover is... And the covers are by Jim Aparo. They're fucking great. Mm-hmm. Is um, Wonder Woman fighting Wonder Girl. Okay? Mm-hmm. And... That does not happen in the story at all. Of course. It's that Wonder Girl has had a crisis of confidence and she wants to know uh, who she is and how she can be, like, her true self. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so she's gone to, like, I think it's called an institute or something. Mm -hmm. And the, the villain... Is actually a villain called the Headmaster, mm. and his like he has a, a a fake name, and the reveal is like that's right, your like your name is an anagram of the Headmaster, <laughs> <laughs> Which is in and of itself. But his gimmick is instead of brainwashing Wonder Girl, he instead hypnotizes her to be asleep, so there could be a magic ray that saps all her strength and then gives it to other people. Wow. Again, this is an eight-page comic. Yeah, right, right. It's amazing. Oof. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. That does sound pretty amazing. I got to say, that is, uh, oof. Wonder Woman draws a pair of jacks. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's amazing. The, the other stories are, the Flash stories are pretty good, and they're by the team who are doing the regular Flash title at the time. It's Carrie Bates and Irv Novick. Oh, really? It's kind of amazing. Huh. Um, Green Lanterns by, I think, Elliot S. Magan and Joe Staden. That sounds right. Yeah. So that's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Elongated Man story in the first issue is, I mean, as close to what I would describe as unprofessional work ever to see <laughs> in a comic. 
<laughs> wow, really? Like, bad, just really bad. Um, but then when Aquaman comes in the second issue, it's it's God, I can't remember his writing, but Don Newton's drawing it, mm. and so it just looks lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's because they've cancelled the Aquaman comics, so it's picking up all the subplots from that. Mm. And then the issue after that, replacing New Gods, is Justice Society, and that's because the Justice Society book's been cancelled. Wow. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's an amazing, amazing comic. Um, but the Wonder Woman things in particular are absolutely fucking nuts. Mm. Yeah, that sounds nuts. Yeah, there's just that period where, oof, DC, I tell you. Yeah, it's 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 the funniest thing, and also it's. Paul Levitt writes Justice Society. Well, I was about to say, because he was writing it when you said when he got cancelled, right? Yeah, he's editing adventure comics. Yeah. Yeah, that classic. I don't don't want to lose this money. Yeah, no (laughs) kidding. Plus, I love this team. I got so much going on. Man, I remember because a few of those were... like there was some, I had like maybe one issue and by me, I mean, it was probably my brother's and it was Levitt's writing it. I think Wally Wood was either drawing it or was inking it. So look. There's a point where like Wally was I maybe doing layouts or inks and mm. Keith Giffen's doing the rest of it. Holy smokes. Yeah. So it's kind of, it was kind of an oddball in that regard. Like. By, by this point, again, it's Joe Staten drawing it. Joe Staten again, huh? Yeah. Wow. Which makes sense because I think, God, maybe was it Wally Wood inking Joe Staten? That almost no, no, it's, it's it's when it's Wally Wood, it's, it's Keith Giffen. For it's got to be Giffen. Okay, all right, but uh, yeah, huh? But again, that's like a wacky ass team, right? That's because all of that stuff was collected in, uh, I what they called the DC Showcase, the mm-hmm. black and white collections. Mm. They collected all of that in one of those. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Um, and it's great, but mm. again, it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, "What is? What even is this? What what is? Because <laughs> well, they brought it back and they didn't bring it back as Justice Society. They brought it back as the All Star Squad. Oh, right, it was All Star. And the All Star Squad was mm-hmm. Robin grown up, Power Girl, and Star Spangled Kid. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. And and they tried to play it up as like a a, a generational conflict. <laughs> all things. With like the all the, with the Justice Society, right? And then eventually it becomes clear that everyone involved in the book just wants to write about the Justice Society. Wow, that's really funny. Because it's funny how much it sounds like such a dry run for Infinity Inc. Of course, in a way, you know? yeah. But like Roy Thomas isn't anywhere near this. No, I know. Well, that's what I'm no, saying. That's like, like, yeah. And so, yeah. like Roy Thomas comes along, it's like that would be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Wow, man, I tell you, Paul Levitz, Paul Levitz, that guy, because, you know, I sort of feel like the Huntress is such a thing because of Levitz, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was he was into it, and it was very much like, once he ascended to publisher position, it was kind of like, yeah, every few years, like, we're going to get something about the Huntress, and I, which I think is fine actually i mean <laughs> you're like I, i'm not that upset no exactly i mean well i'd like to think that it actually was working for someone other than paul levitz but looking back on it i'm kind of like yeah but i'd like to think so but i kind of feel like it was one of those things where by the time huntress gets snapped into birds of prey then then she really just kind of clicks in a way that never 
to in my mind I, really worked. I like, like the original concept of Huntress, right? There's there is something about she's the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that's the part that like sort of like once is that the you part take that, that never worked for you. I guess so. I guess so. I mean, part of me is kind of. Uh, by the time you get her in Birds of Prey and she's had her Earth 2 origins stripped out and she's just kind of a character, which is sort of the same thing that has more or less happened with Black Canary by that point. Um, I'm, I was kind of like, I'm kind of like, these are characters who just kick ass and I appreciate that about them. And I also kind of appreciate that they had different issues, but they had, I guess, issues. All of which is to say, like... Batman, the daughter of Batman and Catwoman is one of those deals where I kind of, I, I guess it just, it doesn't really appeal to me as a legacy character. Like, I guess part of me is kind of like, but why wouldn't you just be Catwoman or Batwoman or Catgirl or Batgirl? Yeah, yeah. And admittedly, it's because I didn't really read those issues, so I don't really necessarily know what's going on. But I don't even remember if there's like a real. Yeah, I mean, it, like, yeah, because we're because we're creating a different character, and I right. mean, there already was a Huntress in DC, so they're just reusing the name. Yes, absolutely, right. You know, so it's a little bit of like clever trademark retention, and you know, there's a lot to be said for that. But for whatever reason, it just kind of wasn't my jam, and it it is interesting to me how much. Like the 70s and 80s with Infinity Incorporated and stuff, there was kind of that like let's try and figure out ways to do legacy versions of these characters that weirdly seemed far more ambitious than just kind of like, yes, he's Batman, the son of Batman, whose grandfather was Batman, you know? Yeah, like, like well, I mean, Roy Thomas really did that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had around Crisis Infinite Earth time, you had like a new Wildcat, you had a new Doctor Midnight. Right. And they were significantly different. Right. Right. You know, to the point where Dr. Midnight's name was spelt with N-I-T-E. Ooh. <laughs> um, right. Right. You know, but but they, he was trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you get, what, Obsidian and Jade or whatever, they are superhero kids who are their own different thing. And, I, and again, there's part of me where it's like, wasn't necessarily my jam, but I see it. It's interesting to me how much both DC and Marvel leaned into the idea of legacy characters um, in a way that was sort of, that seemed to appeal to people. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, you know, no, it's, you know, you got green lanterns, then give them blue lanterns. Then if you want to feel, go crazy, make them purple lanterns, you know? But I don't really see the whole reason why you got to give them, like, a whole new name. Like, it really is embarrassing how much people are like, eh, eh, a little too original. Can you just tune it down a little bit? Can you like... pull it back? I saw someone the other day on Twitter complaining about Speed Force and Flash. Really? Um, yeah, they, were, they basically were making the argument that Speed Force turned Flash from a science strip into a a, um, a mystical, a supernatural strip, right? Like a a, 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 a fantasy strip. Mm-hmm. But their second point was like, and then everyone ran fast, <laughs> and I was like, I mean, sure, but like it's the Flash. 
Do you know what I mean? Like you already had reverse flush. Well, uh, and and I do see that though, but there was kind of a little bit of like you also had like multiple flashes by that point as well. There right. were already three flashes by that point. Right. And you had a flash you had four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was funny, the reason I'm bringing this up is not just like it ties in with your like, you know, let's have blue lanterns. But I was thinking about that and I was like, well, I, I like everyone running first. Like, exactly. I like that. I like that aspect of the flash. Right. I think one of the reasons that Josh Williamson's run the flash worked for me was he basically did something that made the quote unquote flash family work mm. you know and he was very inclusive about it mm-hmm. he even fucking included the tornado twins by the end of it mm. you know like he really was like okay all of them fucking right. all of them. i'll have right. both reverse flashes i'll have like i'll have both versions of wally i'll have everything i'll bring in them every single fucking flash you can give me right which I, makes sense like that makes right? sense yeah I, exactly I, I, I felt like inclusive and like a definitive flash text in a way that the flash had never really had especially not since weight right well yeah um and but i was like you know i I like this i I don't see what they're talking about and then yesterday the day before i saw a a variant cover for amazing Mm spider-man and i was all the spider characters Mm -hmm. and i had the same reaction that person had to uh the the speed force complaint the flash characters right i was like there are far too many fucking spider-man yeah yeah well so so i personally think parsing it like a i remember reading that wade run like new when it was coming off the stands and it was it was wally versus like speed powered ninjas and for whatever reason i was like that should not work, but it totally worked great because it did bring in the speed force. And like you said, the, I, I think one of the things that really helps about the Flash is, you know, f- even before, but certainly f- when you get the Flash of Two Worlds, you know, which is relatively early on and is, is you know, a very important, crucial modern day Flash text, like, the whole idea is there are other flashes. Like yeah. this, the the nice thing about that I think is great about the Speed Force is there are a lot of things that you can sort of I don't know how to describe it. You can do stuff with it uh, that allows you to play with the idea of varying degrees of speed. You can kind of you you basically have a little uh, area in which you can. Uh, and I think this is also important, uh, uh, take away the Flash's speed at certain points or bring it back in in kind of in ways that make sense, you know, Mm -hmm. which especially was super helpful and important when you, you know, you gave Wally his own series and, you know, Mike Barron and then Messner Loeb's like sort of slowly begin accelerating the amount of speed that Wally can have. So, and I, and I think kind of to me, there's a little bit of the, it helps if you get an issue where Superman like loses his powers or even better, like a, a mini arc where he suddenly, he can't fly, but he can leap and he can break bullets. But, you know, if he's hit by a car, it could kill him. And then, and then you start from there and then you kind of get to build back up to it. Like there's a little bit of a spectrum. 
that being said, it does bother me that Mark Wade talks about himself like he is a science-based writer guy and all of his science is like bunk and hokum and and you know, he do, he 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 relies really heavily on the hand-waving, but I also do think Speed Force worked for that. It also did a great job of opening the gates for things like impulse and stuff. Spider-Man when JMS was like, yes, and Spider-Man's a legacy character. It's like, whoa, 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 what? No. Yeah, the spider yeah, totem, but, but like, you know? Even, even beyond that, you think of the Spider-Verse. Well, yeah, right? no, but exactly. But even beyond that, now you have, in the, it just in the regular Marvel Universe, you have Miles. Right. You have Silk. Yep. You have at least two Spider-Women beyond that. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I agree, but... I don't know. Again, there's a little bit of the, uh, like you said, there's just kind of a, there's too many of them. You know what I mean? Like it's never like the, the, the reason of there being like a flash family was never the idea of like, we need six flash books on the stands, right? Like, unless I'm mistaken, like they were lucky enough just to have one. It was just, the DC universe had enough speedster characters over time that you could sort of tie them together and do fun stuff. Like, you know, Johnny them, Quick was totally different from the Flash. He was just yes. fast. But but also you had Flash and you had Impulse. Right. Right. You know, and for the most part like every other character played second fiddle to Flash. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And, like, only appeared in Flash as well. Right, exactly. And that's kind of what I mean. Whereas all of the Spider characters, for the most part, Spider-Geddon aside, and Spider-Geddon is just a really um, loopy way of taking kind of a terrible idea from JMS and then just figuring out a way to have fun with it that also itself was, I'm sorry, Spider-Geddon itself also kind of, sucks like into the spider-verse is a far more interesting fun way of doing stuff with those characters in a way that is meaningful um and of course i'm firmly convinced that the reason because it's a success marvel um not stupidly is like yeah we should do more of that we should do something like that you know and again i like that spider-ham five issue miniseries a lot you know it was really fun but you know what's yeah. It, but I mean, again, I'm trying to think of a way of saying this. Spider Ham existed way back when. Yes, exactly. Well, you know, and it existed like, as kind I, of a yeah, it's a law. Existed as a joke. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, you even you know the Beyonder thing. Like the Beyonder was a joke from the original Spider Ham series. Right. See, I kind of figured. You know. Yeah. But it's I don't know. It feels different than than I. I Strangely enough, and this might just be like me having a very weird thing that I'm applying to everything. Alternate versions of characters where they exist in their own alternate universes and only meet occasionally. Yeah. Is one thing. Absolutely. When they live in the same city. Right. And they're always present. Yeah. That feels like a different thing. And when they are, are, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. The, for me, there's a difference between Miles Morales and Johnny Quick. You know, you brought up Johnny Quick, or right. or for that matter, um, or honestly, Miles Morales and 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 Impulse. Yes, 
Yeah, right? absolutely. Was always played up as like the kid's sidekick slash fuck up. Right. Well, right. right. I mean, exactly. Is, is in theory just another Spider Man. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, you know? so, but, but I mean, I, I personally think that there's a little bit to be said for, among other things, like, like you said, Impulse and Flash, Miles and Peter. I'm kind of okay with that. I think even if you the the nice thing about Spider Spider Geddon and the Spider Verse was all these characters were kind of spread out. You know, if you put them in the same city, you get the same problem with Batman that the, has to deal with with the Bat Family, where all of these spinoff characters, you know, basically exist because they are more or less popular enough for sales yes. purposes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yet, there's no. Oh, I can't wait to read three Jokers again. Yeah, right, right. Ca cannot wait. I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's true. Actually, that's one thing. Like the Bat Family always feels overpopulated to me, even though. Uh, oh, completely, completely. But like, there's far too many characters. For that matter, the Super Fam Superman Family does. You know, it's like there's two different Superboys right now. Yeah, that's. I mean, wait, is the other one? You mean Superboy Prime and John Kent? Or is there no, some I mean, other... John Kent and Connor Kent. Oh, and Connor Kent's still running around, too? Connor, Connor Kent was brought back in Young Justice. Oh, God, right. Like, oh. in action comics right now, it is literally a story called House of Kent. And it is Superman, both Superboys, and Supergirl. Oh, yeah, see? No, yeah. It's it's not... I mean, and, and that... Like, that's, I, yeah. that's a problem. And, and people will disagree with me. Mm -hmm. But... I think the idea of sending Jonathan off to be in the 31st century for Legion and just leaving him there yeah. is a really good solution. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that way you get to have your Superboy, but you also get to have Superman. Although, Jeff, I can't explain why this happened earlier today. I genuinely <laughs> can't. I found myself watching part of Man of Steel today. Hmm. Um. A, I'd forgotten that Man of Steel is so fucking long. But B, I'd actually forgotten so much of it at the start. Is Like, there's so much of a Krypton sequence. Oh, and it that goes, Krypton so. sequence is fucking interminable. Jesus. And when I wasn't being distracted by Michael Shannon and just imagining that he was playing his character from Knives Out, <laughs> I got to thinking, A, the Phantom Zone criminals are really fucking weird if you think about it. Because mm -hmm. Superman is the last son of Krypton, except he's totally not. Mm -hmm. And then I got to think, when Krypton's being destroyed, why didn't everyone just fuck off into the Phantom Zone? Right, which is the the classic, um, it's a shame that the story is a dog. Because the twist of uh, For Tomorrow by Brian Azzarello and, uh, more or less posits the same thing in such a way that, that literally it sort of breaks the concept. You're like, evacuate him into the Phantom Zone. I'll go into, why would you go into the Phantom Zone? Like, particularly depending on the conception of the Phantom Zone that, that you know, is the classic traditional Silver Age, which is nobody in the fucking Phantom Zone can hurt one another or, you know, or eat or yeah, anything they else. They can't do anything. Yeah, so you Why can evacuate. Just go yeah, there. Absolutely. Why didn't fucking Jor-El and Laura go there, considering how crucial Jor-El's tied to the fucking Phantom Zone? 
you know, fire the kid into space, gives you enough time to jump into the Phantom Zone with your wife, or all three of you go into the Phantom Zone. No, 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 no. Exactly. And and I remember, because, of course, I was working in the shops, I think, at the time, talking with Hibbs. And Hibbs is like, you know, this series is crap. It's a semi-good idea, but it really is one of those things that no one should have brought up in public. Because, like, if you start thinking about it, it kind of fucks the whole idea of Superman, right? Like, you're kind of like... Like, it would be fine if it's all but, like, they should have retconned things such that, like, the Phantom Zone only opens every 28 days or something, right? So you hold your prisoners in a prison... And then you shoot them in there. And then that way it's like, okay, the gate's nowhere near opening. It's not near a time. So you got to fire Superman into space. Everyone else dies because the Phantom Zone is not accessible. And I think it so would... It, Man of Steel, like, really weirdly fucks it up because... Oh, yeah. They send, send like, baby Kal-El into space. And then there's enough time to not only arrest... <laughs> the, the, the other guys, but seemingly hold a trial for them. No, really. Yeah, but, I mean, but also they keep on showing that they all have spaceships. Yeah. So when the planet starts falling apart, they're like, mm, "This is the end." I was like, but fly, it's really not fly into the space. No, that first that I gotta say, like, part of me is I do not know where the rabid Zack Snyder fanboys are necessarily coming from because. There are bits in Man of Steel and there are bits in Batman versus Superman that are interesting or sort of well executed or if nothing else are just kind of quote unquote cool in a visceral sense. Like I enjoy watching them as movies like it is they have they they land differently from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Which I think is is good. That being said. I don't remember, it was like 15 minutes into the movie and like fucking Russell Crowe is like riding on a... What is he riding on? Is it a sky serpent? Is it like a... He's riding a dragon, Jeff. He's he's, riding... He's riding a fucking dragon! And I'm like, okay, on the one hand, part of me appreciates that they... I know they had dragons back in all the Silver Age Krypton stories, or at least the whatever it was called, like the hastily cobbled together World of Krypton, you know, the backup series that yeah, ran yeah, in yeah, the yeah. back of Superman, where they're like, oh, they've got a crystal Raxar. Oh no, here comes a Jognar. Better break out your Flobnell, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, and I've learned a valuable lesson about friendship. And that was, you know, but watching him fly around on a dragon, I'm just like, no, no, I really knew, like, that was that moment of like, I'm not going to like this movie and it's going to keep going for a long time. And I have to say, I was right on both counts. Because I, for me, I have to say, Jor-El doing anything other than Jor-El, like putting the baby in and shipping the baby off is a big you're, mistake. You're like, I don't care. Yeah. For anything other than saying your planet's going to blow up. And then when the planet starts to blow up, right, sticking his kid in a spaceship and being like, oh, fuck, I hope this works out. Yes, right. That's all you need. That's all you need. Like all the rest of the Silver Age stuff that Broom and Weisinger uh, and Binder brought to the character were really kind of weirdly 
interesting in a way that can kind of hobble the character. Um, and I might want to see revisited in a weird Superman as victim of diaspora would be kind of interesting. But the way that Bendis is doing it, which is I really like the Superman family comics when I was a kid, is like misplaced, I think. And so therefore, once you start getting to like, oh, and now Jor-El's got his own action figure with dragon riding blah, blahs. I'm just like, no, 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 no. Don't do this. Not at all. No, no. And it is one of those things where I have to say, I don't, I, I, as many people were, ultimately bored and disappointed by John Byrne's Superman. I have to say, he, he, he at least had explanations for his choices that although not necessarily, you know, I mean, he made a case for them, and I think the case makes a set, makes sense. And there is something to, like you said, if you have too many Superman family characters in the book, you're like, well, but who really cares about Superman? And or, you know, th- you start getting into that element of it just it just does it kind of doesn't well, work. It's, it's just the weirdest thing, right? Because part of the Superman. Mm-hmm. Myth is less than a Krypton, mm-hmm. right? And and on the one hand, you can argue that like Jonathan doesn't contradict that he is he's like half Kryptonian, half human. Sure. And Connor is a clone, so he's half Kryptonian, half human. Sure. But like Supergirl and the Phantom Girls, like uh, villains, the Phantom villains and everything, mm-hmm. they're. They're Kryptonians. Like right. They just are. It yeah. makes that part of the story untrue. Right. Well, and, and if Superman isn't the last son anymore, yeah. then what is he? And there, you could, and I don't think anyone has ever done this, and someone is going to pop along in the comments tell me I'm wrong. And I'd love to be wrong because I'd love to read the story. There's something to be said in the he is the last son because he's the last born child of the planet Mm, mm -hmm. you know there's something there right well what does like how does he deal with that then not i'm the only survivor but literally i am the last person born on the planet krypton right you know do i have generational or 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 you know tribal memories or tribal angst or tribal guilt or something right you know there's something there, maybe. Again, I'm not sure it's necessarily a Superman story. No offense, I'm not sure I want to see Superman being that angst-ridden. Sure. No, I agree. Or well, like, if right. I do, I want to see it in eight pages, and I want it to have been published in 1952. Well, you know? exactly. Exactly. Part of me is kind of, there's there's a lot of ways to parse this. Ironically, or perhaps not ironically, the same thing that we're bitching about about Spider-Man is more or less what we're bitching about about the Superman family because Superman, Supergirl, and Superboy really did spring out of Superman success. They were spin-off yes, yes, books. Very and, depend, you know, Superboy, by essentially being the adventures of Superman as a boy, had the weird, if you thought about it, factor of nothing that Superboy really does 
can't do anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. It doesn't mean anything. Nothing is ever going to happen. You know, I mean, you'll get stuff. And so, and that kind of worked in the, particularly in the Silver Age, where everything was essentially static. Like everything got reset. There was always, always, always the implicit promise that things were finally going to change this issue. And the trick, the cleverness was how the writers and editors lied like motherfuckers to get out of that, right? And so you end and up with imaginary stories. In a way that you forgave them. Right, exactly. Right? And I think otherwise yes. literally be like, I'm not fucking reading this comic. Right. Well, and I think one of the things that's kind of great about Silver Age DC comics is they did figure out a way to have their cake and eat it too for a long period of time and then there were people who eventually were you know kind of you know and the comics were basically designed so that people aged out like you read your superman from ages five to eight maybe eight nine but then you were basically done right and the next group of five to nines came in and da 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 and it was the it was the kids who grew up reading this stuff you know who like went to DC offices and and started complaining like I was reading this somebody I don't remember if it was War, Marv Wolfman or Len Wein it might have been Len Wein or something like went on a tour of the DC offices and tried talking to I don't remember if it was Weisinger or Schwartz and the guy was like how old are you and he's like oh I'm 13 he's like ugh you're too old you're not my audience you know and they and part of why dc what fell behind so dramatically for marvel is they had created an engine that worked really well from like for five, you know from 5 to 9 or 5, five to 10 years, yeah. yeah you know and and then it exited marvel's continuity where things suddenly mattered like like dc had a real tough time wrapping its brain around that and i and so it is ironic sort of seeing in my mind how Marvel has more or less moved into that exact position and you're kind of getting the same thing where it's like... Wait, you say that, but like you don't age out of... Uh, this sounds terrible, but superhero comics are not meant to be aged out of anymore. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. They're not meant to be aged out of, but I guess what I mean is... That like if you look at the Spider-Man books, they are ridiculously overburdened with characters, spin-off characters, all stamping over each other's dicks. And the only way you ever get anything to happen is if you conveniently look into the universe next door where things happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas the promise that that promise of the illusion of change may not have even been an illusion when it started in Marvel Comics. But at a certain point, once it became an illusion, it was just a slightly different version of. Oh, no, exactly. It was it was it was DC. Right? Yeah, everything, exactly. Everything became imaginary stories for a better way. Right. And, and yeah, everything became imaginary stories. So. So I think it is really funny for us to be talking about Superman uh, and the Superman family at, moving from Flash to Spider-Man to Superman. Because Superman really did do, for such a long time, a pretty good job of cutting back on the derivative characters. The other thing is Silver Age-wise, like the Phantom Zone characters were there, 
but they they stayed ghosts almost always. Like every once in a while, you'd have some mysterious. I mean, and my my reading of the Silver Age Superman stories is far from extensive. Yeah, but, yeah, no, I, I, but I'm the same. Like I think the Phantom Zone characters basically stayed as not only ghosts, but sort of like rarely used characters yeah. up until film, up until they appeared in Superman Two. Right. Right. So, well, they they kind of appeared, but it's super indirectly. Yeah, Superman 2 is a great, like, oh, okay, here's Superman versus other guys with superpowers. And every once in a while, you kind of get that in the Silver Age stories. But again, half the time, the Phantom Zone villains were were ghostly plotters who were figuring, who tried to conspire and team up with other characters. And you'd have things like the Superman Revenge Squad and things. But... It was all it was all really indirect and you could call that a missed opportunity, but I do think that part of what happened with Superman is it managed to keep the the problem of like once you've got Superman punching Superman, it's hard to scale it back, you know? Yeah, and yeah. pretty soon it's just Superman punching a different version of Superman every month, and then Superman's no longer unique, and then what the fuck do you do? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. I, so I that, thought... that's us putting that's us putting the the um the Xerox effects of superhero comics completely yes. to bed. Entirely. Yes indeed. Yes indeed. So uh, do you have theories sorry. about where Superman and or Superboy and everyone's going? Because Bendis is of course is leaving the books, uh no pun intended, super soon. Right? Uh he is. Yeah. And where they're going in the short term is they're going into future tense. The the newly announced like two month not an event event that DC is doing right uh, which is the like glimpse it's 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 weird so the announcement is uh, the end of death metal mm-hmm. is going to basically kind of fuck up the timeline slightly right. And offer glimpses of potential futures. Mm-hmm. And that's what future tense is. And in future tense, you have a world where Superman is living on War World. Mm, and oh, Jonathan right. Kent has become a new Superman. Right, 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 right. Got and it. they're leading, no pun intended, super heavily into the Kirby of, of it all. Because the big anthology books have Black Razor and Mr. Miracle in there, and Guardian. Mm. Hmm. Right. Right. Wow. Hmm. So they're they're really dramatically leaning into the the curve. Is that just the Superman title has that, or just, is that in the various? There's oh, hang on. Sorry, it's the Superman books. I'm I'm going to have to look up the futures. Oh gosh, Jeez. I didn't need to make you do this because. I have to say, I read that future state announcement and. And was very confused by it. And maybe I read it too quickly. But I I didn't realize it was just for two months. I didn't okay, realize... Okay, so it's January, it's January and February. Right. And they're doing a bunch of extra-length anthologies. Right. And also additional miniseries or one-shots. Okay? Right. And so, in the Superman line... They're doing a two-issue series called Superman of Metropolis, which is Superman of Metropolis, which is Jonathan Kent, Mm -hmm. Guardian, Mm -hmm. which is the Manhattan Guardian. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess he's the Metropolis Guardian now, but it's that character. It's the character from Seven Soldiers. Right. 
and Mr. Miracle, who is Shiloh Norman. Mm-hmm. Then Superman Worlds of War is another anthology. Right. That gets four issues out in the two months. Whoa. And that has the Superman and War Worlds, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Super, like Superman as we know him. Right. Midnighter, mm-hmm. Black Racer, and more Mr. Miracle. Wow. Huh. That is deeply weird. Yeah. And maybe it's, in a and, good way, but... Yeah. And also, there's additional House of L one-shot, mm-hmm. a Kara Zor-El Superwoman mm-hmm. mini, mm-hmm. a Legion of Superheroes mini, mm-hmm. a Superman Wonder Woman mini, a Superman versus Imperious Lex mini <laughs> by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff. Mm. Yeah, and that's just the Superman books. There's also the Batman books and the, the Justice League books. Right. Right, we, but hmm, how do I put it? Because that's the other thing is is that sounds like it's it's weird how much the future tense stuff sounds like too much and not enough at the same time. Because there's no yeah. the the Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman. They're I forget. Are they Green, Lan- Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Flash are all coming out under Justice League? Okay, that's what so I. Justice thought. League yeah. is a two-issue Justice League series, mm-hmm. which will feature Justice League and Justice League Dark. There's a two-issue Green Lantern series, which will feature something called Last Lanterns and something called Tales of the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. There's a two-issue Suicide Squad series, which will have Suicide Squad and Black Adam. Then there are additional series, regular length series for Aquaman, Flash, Teen Titans, Shazam, and Swamp Thing. That are that are ongoings that are going to start during that period. That no, that are two issue, I think two issue or maybe four issue. There are many series running for those two months. Okay, so sorry, yeah. When you said regular right. series, deeply confused. You mean yeah. non anthology, non anthology. I meant regular length. Got series. it. Got it. Okay. Right? right, and I should also say Wonder Woman for some reason is being folded into the Superman line. In terms of future state. Right. And so you'll get a, an oversized Wonder Woman anthology called Immortal Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. which features Immortal Wonder Woman, which is Diana, and Nubia. Hmm. Uh, and then you get an additional Wonder Woman mini by Joel Jones, which is a new Wonder Woman. Well, my goodness. And then there's Batman books, which are nuts yeah i was about to say this is all giving me a headache i can't even imagine what the batman stuff is uh there's two anthologies the next batman is Mm -hmm. a four issue anthology and dark detective is a four issue anthology Mm -hmm. and then there are additional series for batman superman catwoman harley quinn nightwing and robin eternal is it just robin eternal or were those all eternal characters Nope, those are all Robin Eternal. Oh, Batman okay. Superman. It's called Future State Batman Superman, Future State Catwoman, Future State Harley Quinn, right. Future State Nightwing, and Future State Robin Eternal. Robin Eternal. Okay. Man, I got to tell you, Graham, it's times like that that I listen to this stuff and I'm just like, A, how does anyone stay in comics? And B, <laughs> Just... Oh, do, you want to know, do you want to know the series that are in the Batman yes. anthologies? Sure. Okay, so the next Batman has The Next Batman by John Ridley and Nick Tarrington. Right. Outsiders, Arkham Knights, Batgirls, and Gotham City Sirens. Mm. 
And Dark Detective will have something called Dark Detective, right. which is for anyone who read Detective Comics 1027, mm-hmm. a continuation of the Mariko Tamaki Dan Mora story in that issue. Mm. They'll have that. They'll have, it's also going to have Grifters, which, yes, is Grifter from Wildstorm, who just showed up in the regular Batman comics this week, mm-hmm. and a Red Hood series. Are all in this Dark Detective series? Oof, man, I tell yeah, you. it's going to be a nuts couple of months. Uh. Yeah, so wow, that's a thing. that and is it, a thing. Yeah, and how that's going to play into the DC line going forward? Right. Who knows? Well, yeah. I mean, someone knows at some point. I would hope, but Jesus, yeah, it just seems crazy to me. It seems like. I don't know. I mean, I'm. It's. I hope that there is some thought behind it. Um, I, from what I have heard and been told by people who are close to this, mm-hmm. there is there is thought behind it. I was going to be mean and say there's more thought behind it than it sounds. Yeah, right. But that's partially because, like, you hear that lineup and you're like, "What the living shit?" Yeah. Um, I do believe this does. This stuff does play into the line going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of people are basically like, oh, so it's two months of fill-ins. It's like emergence. Apparently not. Right. Well, it's... Appar- it's Apparently that should not be considered the case. Right. It's weird to me how much it feels like convergence, but different. Kind of like... it <laughs> to, to flip the whole 52 countdown to infinite crisis on its head, It's it feels like convergence done right. Uh, but no, I, I just mean that it feel it definitely convergence had such a was a short term event that just had like you just felt like stuff was being thrown at the wall at a very mm-hmm. high velocity. And this also kind of feels like that. It kind of feels like a like kind of like it's daring you to kind of take it all in kind of but it also seems set at a stage where that feels impossible i guess yeah there's i mean that's a lot of comics for two months it's a lot of comics for and, two and honestly, months even yeah. the anthologies sound like a lot of comics well see that's it even the anthologies sound kind of exhausting like i can see myself maybe wanting to pick up one or two of them but but at the same time, almost like, you know, not like there's just such a there's such a weird kind of. It, I, it, I, I, I love that DC are doing the anthology. I genuinely do. I, yeah. I think that's, that's wonderful. But I also feel like they are maybe cutting their own throats here because there's going to be people who are like, I want to read John Ridley doing Batman. I don't want to pay $10. And that's me making up a price. I right. Because we don't know. I don't think they've announced the price um, points, have they? But I, I maybe I don't know. Right. But um, but like I don't want to pay, for example, even eight dollars. Sure. Yeah. Uh, for a comic where Batman is a fifth of the comic. Right. Right. Like you know, it's funny how much this. I feel like this ties into what you were talking about with the adventure comics just a little bit ago. Like part of me is like. The the anthology stuff because it's not it's not like uh, the Dio's Walmart exclusives the hundred page giants where it's 
mostly reprints and then a little bit of new material. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's some new material. Yeah, it was like nine pages of, of new material and then the rest is reprint. Right. But even that, it's $5, like, which is not a million miles away from a regular comic. Like, that's what Marvel Comics go for now. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. So part of me is like, eh. but there was a little bit of like that. Oh, but it's mostly reprints as opposed to this is like the dollar days of, you know, DC, the adventure comic stuff that you were talking about, where it's it's all original material. Um, and it's just part of me is is, again, as someone who's been spending a lot of time saying like, yeah, why can't we? Maybe superhero comics should be more like manga, where it's like a super big volume with a lot of material, and then there's the opportunity for it to kind of feel, you get a sense of what's big and what isn't, you got something that's a draw that people are picking up, and I think and I think there is something to that, in the same way that, you know, like you said, there are people who are like, I don't want to pay like eight bucks or ten dollars just to read John Ridley's Batman, you know, but in theory, people would say like, I don't want to pay like 400 yen to read one piece every week. No, but that, that's just it. Like yeah. who, who knows what, how the market's actually going to react to this. Right. 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 And also it's one of these things where there's the market and there's the market. Mm-hmm. Like if retailers don't want to buy into this, it doesn't matter how much, how yeah. many customers want it? Right. Well, true. Because it's two months. It's two months. There's not even time. Well, yeah. To, to, They've got like, to buy it blind. Oh, but yeah. There's no. There's right? nothing that's built around this. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Actually, like we a we should probably think about wrapping this up. But b we haven't talked about like the two quote unquote publishing news stories. Oh, that's because we... I didn't know them. But uh, yeah, okay. no, we're Number running long. I know Marvel Unlimited has gone to the three month. Oh window. yes. Right from the sixth month window, uh, which I think everyone expected them to do. To be perfectly honest, as soon yes. as, soon as DC went to the six month window, uh, and the fact that Marvel was already struggling mm-hmm. to deal with Marvel Limited with the COVID um, shutdown in, in right. the, of, like uh, April, yeah. like I think it was fairly obvious they're going to do that. I haven't seen any retailer reaction to the Marvel Unlimited news. I will be surprised if there's none, mm-hmm. because. Three months is not a long time to wait for these comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Three months is, is feels like a very short time. Yes. If you save all the money of buying the comics and just wait three months, I'm, I will be surprised if orders don't fall because of that. Mm. Um, the other news was DC and UCS comics distributors have, have parted ways. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's a biggie. Yeah. Um, so DC has one periodical distributor in the U.S. again, mm-hmm. and it's Lunar, right? Um, who, uh, by all accounts, are great. Mm-hmm. Lunar, I should say, by all accounts, are very, very good at what they do, and they get the material there early, and they get the material there undamaged, unlike UCS, from what mm-hmm. I've seen. Interesting. Um, however. Imagine you're a retailer mm-hmm. <laughs> a year ago dealt with one distributor for DC, then six months later had to switch to another, and then only, what, four months after that yeah. had to switch to a third? Yeah. Like, you'd be pissed. 
Yes. No. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, it also coincides with DC or Lunar someone putting relatively strict controls on shipping now. Hmm. There's order levels now, Jeff. Oh, right. The order levels. Right. That was the other uh, thing. There's minimums. If, yeah. Yeah. If you don't order $125 worth of weekly product, which is the uh, the sell-through price, not the value. Mm. Not the order value. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you don't order $125, you don't get that ship that week. No. Until the next time you hit $125. Okay. So, because uh, I had heard it in, as $500 a month, which this more or less works out to, right? Yeah, or I've heard I it as it's got to be $125 a week. Okay. Okay. Which is uh, different. Which, yeah. Yeah. But also, it does not seem impossible, to be perfectly honest. Well, I mean, five dollars is if books are four dollars each, mm-hmm. then one hundred and twenty-five dollars is fifty comics. Well, like but, forty comics. Wait, but you're talking about? Sorry, did you say sell-through price? Like not cover yes, price? Sell-through price. Sell-through price. Oh, okay. Cover price. Sell-through price. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so. like, I, I honestly, like. I feel that it's not going to be that difficult for stores to order for oh, yeah. a week. Yeah. Especially like if you consider like if they're getting any collections of hardcovers. Right. Like it feels like it was hard. But nonetheless, that's that's a big change. It's a huge that's, change. Yeah. That's a big change. Yeah. Um and apparently Lunar is also saying you have to be a store in order to order stuff. Mm, that's a big switch like can't be a buying club you can't be an ebay seller right you have to be a store right which is another thing that i think is going to be significant well let's put it this way the the buyer's club has always been kind of the quote-unquote dirty little secret um yeah like it's that kind of thing that no no that people who know about it really don't want anyone else talking about it because it is such a strange, like, if everyone knew about this, kind of, it's sort of, uh, there's a why would you have comic book shops kind of deal. If you can just get yeah. 10 of your friends and commit, you can get some crazy ass discounts. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, so I'm hoping that that will uh, will not put a lot of retailers will help will help put their noses back into shape after after the rest of the news push them out because you know you'll see there are weeks that everything that dc has done this year has just pissed off retailers well sure absolutely and this is more of it and it would be interesting if it was a 125 dollars a week or 500 dollars a month whichever you hit because maybe it is I, I hope I, so I in a way because I part of like, me is I like everything second time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if you're in a situation where, you know, the only thing that in DC that sells is, you know, Batman, you know, you can't and Batman only comes out like once a month. Like you don't necessarily know what you're going to do, you know, if, if like, you know. 
to me, I'm like, yeah, you got to be able to have enough so that you can. Well, the reason the weekly thing makes sense is, of course, it's weekly shipments. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Which and that does make sense. How do I put it? That also makes some sense to me in that that way you can at least have stuff for, you know, you you don't you literally don't have it turn around to a situation where somebody's like, okay, I'll just buy five hundred dollars of Batman every month, and I'm not going to put, I'm not even going to rack the rest of these titles, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's it it there's well, it's a little bit like the Marvel Unlimited, like. Uh, Marvel Unlimited moving to a three month window, like like you said, I personally didn't see it as much as a reaction to DC Universe, but I did see it as a huge reaction to their COVID blues and the COVID blues of you know, kind of like you you gotta you gotta have your little survivalist bunker, you know what I mean? Like they're the direct market is undergoing such seismic shifts that it wouldn't surprise me if everyone's kind of sitting there being like, okay, but what do we do if the direct market doesn't, you know, if it does just it doesn't come, doesn't come out. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't come well, out. The, the other thing to bear in mind is both Disney and Warner brothers in the last like two weeks have aggressively shifted their movie strategy towards streaming. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, Disney, like outright said, like st- st- streaming is 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 our new aim. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was just yesterday, Warner Media basically restructured its entire film department mm-hmm. to eliminate the HBO Max studio because now Warner wow. Media is going to be in charge of everything, including streaming. Mm. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Right. So so be- I feel like. In this weird world in which we live, particularly in North America, where, you know, we where COVID has been handled so poorly that we're looking at a much longer time frame in which people are not going to be going to movie theaters for the most part. And people are probably not going to be going to the comic book stores nearly as much. There's, I think. I think everyone's like mm, streaming, mm. and again, I think as you and I talked about, like it is AT and T's like direct to consumer being a being a big talking point for the executives coming out of Warner's for that is, uh, you know, it really does it point it points in some really interesting directions. Um, well, what's what's interesting is I've been talking to a couple of people who read comics some would call themselves comics fans but aren't like aren't like comics fans like you right do you know what i mean like they yeah. go to the store maybe once a month right right um and they are just like i've not been to a store since since covid started mm-hmm. and also i have no desire to go to a store right 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 no i mean i mean that's kind of the this this was this was always the sort of thing that hibs would talk about was the idea of like if you break people of that Wednesday habit, like you know, at at that point it becomes something like visiting a regular bookstore, you know, where maybe you do it what three or four times a year. But I mean, that's precisely where situation where online retailers began to have the advantages. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. No, so I mean I think I think there's 
a ton of stuff that's going to happen there. Comics, I think comics has the the curation of a comic store is something that is not um has so far I feel not been anywhere near replicated in the online experience, which I think is stunning to me because if you look at how Amazon was able to grow, it was precisely in getting, I'm old enough that I remember back when Amazon more or less offered incentives and discounts for people to write reviews. Like, you know, and people were like, I had a friend who was like, yeah, I'm writing reviews left and right because that's just going to get me more free books. And it was kind of like, you know, like that, that really worked out well for Amazon. And it's amazing to me how you go to someplace like Comixology and it's just a fucking mess. A mess. Yeah. 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 So, you know, honestly, um, DC Universe, I think, is well situated to create a curated experience if they're willing to. Man, I got to tell you, Graham, I... I I had that thing where um like Skype I did the whole like hey are there updates and it's like no dude last time you updated is cool there's nothing new I'm like great so you and I talked hung up came back talked some more hung up came back and Skype's like welcome to your new UI and I'm like what they're like first select a profile picture and I'm just like skip 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 I've got to call Graham what the fuck and it's like hey have you heard about contacts and I'm like just shut the fuck up let me use Skype and they're like yeah welcome to Skype and it was you're like like, no (laughs) yeah exactly no and also just that weird thing Skype is really weird like Graham, you and I have been using Skype for, like, the better part of a decade. You know, there's some periods where we went without and tried other methods, but we've basically been using this and Call Recorder. And I swear to God, literally, every week for years, and maybe that is a drop in the bucket for people who use Skype to, like, for me, it was... uh, you know, I always felt like it was kind of this is how horny people call each other, in, you know, in Europe, basically. It's like you're horny. <laughs> the person in Europe is horny. You call them on Skype. You know, that's just my understanding of how it works. And but they must call each other a ton because Skype, again, you and I use three weeks out of the month mm-hmm. four years. And every time I log in, it's like uh who who are you again i'm like fucking i'm calling graham oh graham mcmillan yes do you want to call him and steve engelhardt no that was a long time oh ago God, yes. i always get that also for some reason every single time i'm trying to do the, the skype test call yes do a joint you mean the skype test call <laughs> and i don't know when we've ever done that exactly when did we have a skype test call threesome was it before engelhardt but like i have no idea but I know that it keeps on prompting it for me. No, seriously. I'm the same way where I have to look through. And this is the insane part. Like, because my microphone has been kind of screwy the last two or three weeks, I've made it a point to call Skype test call before calling you. And I went through a long period where I didn't do that. Skype, in its call history, acts as if 
I never made that call, but yes. you and I yes. had that Skype test call yes. threesome with yep. it. And I'm just like, I don't want this. I don't want this option. I don't want to bug Graham while I test my microphone. I'm bugging Graham separately. So I think you might as well, and that way we both do the test. So I'm starting to think we should. I didn't realize you were being given the same grief with yeah, it. No, anyway, no, the same thing. The same thing. Yeah, yeah, just really weird, This that program, in the way in which it's like, huh? Do I know you? Oh, right. You're the guy who, who called the test call with Graham. I'm like... I only did that once, if that, and neither grammar I, I can I, remember it. I don't even know if we've done that, like legitimately. Did we do it before we talked to Inglehart to test out the sound and reception? I mean, maybe. Maybe. Or maybe we did it like because we don't forget, like we also called Hibs years ago. Well, yeah, that was a long time ago. Maybe but it was least, then. Maybe, maybe that's right. Oh, that's right. We weren't even on the podcast on Infinite Earths. Uh, the calls together were we no That's not together we're... no wow crazy okay yeah, absolutely bar me anyway getting back to the point then we can wrap things up yes right uh what was it again <laughs> i think i was in mid-sentence and then you agreed what, with me and then started I genuinely love is i don't remember either uh, okay well that's fine Let's... which is a good sign yep that both of us wrap that sucker up so yeah yeah i think so as well i think so as well uh yeah <laughs> Shit. Oh, Jeff. Okay, let's wrap things up in that case. Yes. Uh, this is the point where I say there's going to be show notes for this podcast up on waitwhatpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. That's right, everyone. It's a website. Uh, by the time you hear this, they'll be up. It's not like a drop when I take a, an extra day. Jeff gets them up because he's a professional, everyone. Uh. At some point in our natural life, uh, there will be posts again at waitwhatpod.tumblr.com and instagram.com. I'll try it again. Instagram.com forward slash wait what pod. There will definitely be something on Instagram this week because this week I was also reading old Legion of Superheroes issues uh, on DC Universe. And there is a Steve Ditko drawn Superboy using his Super Breath panel, which is A, something that could only be drawn by Steve Ditko. <laughs> and be another of those panels that makes you wonder if Steve Ditko has ever actually met a human being or if he's just hung around with lots of sex dolls. <laughs> just just putting it out there. Um, so that's definitely going up on Instagram.com forward slash wait what pod at some point this week. I pr- that's, the, that's a promise. Yeah, I hope so because you're promising <laughs> big. I want you to deliver right now. Um, and uh, we are also a Patreon supporter. Oh, wait, Twitter. There's uh, We are on Twitter at Wait What Podcast. Jeff is on Twitter solo at LazyBastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. And right now he is, unless he's changed his name again, calling himself Mitch McConnell's Necrotic Hand, which is a phrase he stole from me, which I love. <laughs> Did I steal it from you? I didn't realize. Oh my god, that's great! I, I've, I've, I tweeted yesterday that, um, and I know you saw it because you liked it. Yeah. Um, I tweeted. Oh god, maybe I didn't. Uh, god, I can't find it because I've been Mitch McConnell's <laughs> Mitch McConnell's necrotic hand as evidence of his cruelty is the kind of detail that feels too unsubtle to be true. Yes, something I tweeted, what? and you liked it, and then you started calling yourself Mitch McConnell's necrotic hand, which I loved very much. Oh, I'm very also, glad that you don't remember that. Makes me so happy because it's fanboy rampage in reverse. It really <laughs> is. I know. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Oh man. Um, I, I it all comes full full circle. 
I'm on Twitter at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. We are a Patreon-supported podcast, as I said earlier, which means Jeff Lester now gets to say this. I do. Uh, although part of me is like, hmm, Mitch McConnell's necrotic hand is apparently something that uh, I once had said in my presence, I just fixate on for ridiculous periods of time and then more or less forget about. So I, that I have fixated on them and just act as if it was my idea all along. So strange. Uh, people, we're super grateful for you listening to us. I feel like there's so much stuff. I didn't talk about Abbey's comics, which I'm dying to talk about. Looks like that's going to have to wait another uh, few weeks at the very least. Uh, similarly, I didn't even really talk about the disturbing Japanese pornography that I read that really traumatized me, which I don't know. Oh, oh no. Yeah. And yet kind of want to know more but also oh no <laughs> exactly so you know all i can say is thank you for listening and thank you for for the degree to which you listen to us and alternately go oh no or tell me more because that's that's kind of that yin and yang push and pull that um knowing that you're having that reaction makes it easier for us to come back and and try to deliver or try and have those experiences to be able to to pass along to you our wonderful listeners um there's a extra awesome subset of awesome listeners that are the people on Patreon that also throw us a little bit of their hard-earned dosh, which is super appreciated. Keeps us inspired. Um, you know, uh, I say it every so often. Uh, Baxter Building, our first read-through of the, f the our read-through of the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four, and Drock, our current read-through of the Judge Dredd case files, complete case files, is directly responsible. Uh, is directly. Um, our response our response to your wonderful support uh and um i'm incredibly grateful to that for a number of reasons i should give super uh thanks to dominic l franco and empress audrey queen of galaxy for their continuing support of this podcast and their uh roles as uh protectors of this neck of the uh celestial realm we are indebted to them in more ways than we can even begin to mention. Graham? Remember, everyone, Jeff Lesser's birthday is on Halloween. If you love him, and you should, <laughs> buy Erotic Vampire Bank Heist on Amazon. Hey, there we go. Just just throwing that out there. Yeah. Uh, we're, gonna, we're off next week because uh, otherwise we'd be regarding on Jeff Lesser's birthday, and he instead is going to celebrate his birthday like he does every year by turning into a werewolf and then going out and drinking the blood of innocence. We will be back in two weeks in that case with a regular Wade Watts. Uh, and until then, I guess all I have to say is bye!